This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Now get 20% off every IQ Bar product plus free shipping when you text FILES, F-I-L-E-S, to 64000. And why you should do that is because IQ Bar is the best bar in the game. I mean it. I've tried so many different ones. And IQ Bar genuinely so good. Tastes great. It has all of the stuff I need to get me through my day. I want a snack that is going to keep me alert and boosted and I'm not going to have some crash later on. IQ Bar absolutely does that. I keep them in my car because no matter if someone is keto, vegan, paleo, gluten-free, soy-free, any of the things, I know that I can be like, hey, I have a snack for you. It's an IQ Bar and it's going to fill you up and it's going to taste great. Now you can get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text FILES, F-I-L-E-S, to 64000. Get your discount now. That's right. Text FILES, F-I-L-E-S, to 64000. That's FILES to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another special edition of the Vowel Files Going Deeper Edition, episode number 600. A round of applause, everyone. With us is the household of Allie, Amanda, and Derek, and our pop culture correspondent, Natalie Joy, is with us. How are you doing, babe? I'm doing lovely. How lovely. are you? Natalie's feeling a little under the weather, so... Yeah. But she's dedicated to the pop culture that we deliver to this show. So we, we appreciate her dedication. I watched her lock eyes with Kiki as you were going through your names because I'm pretty sure the last time you were here, you were like, hey, why don't you introduce Kiki? You're like, that's so rude. Yeah. I feel like you should add Kiki into your household. Okay. Hi, Kiki. Kiki and Nick have name. a very like distant but respectful. We respect each other. Yeah. Yeah. She gets a piece of his turkey sandwich and that it's keeps coming day. back for chicken. more. It's yeah. a chicken sandwich. A chicken. Well, also, I just want to take the time to say thank you all. I mean, 600 episodes, you know, I know we, we pop them out like, like what? Like candy? I don't know. Like babies? Eh, that's a lot of babies. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Ow. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I mean, the show's been, it, it literally is, is, is more popular than ever. I mean, listen, every time we have one of these, you know, 500, 600, it's, I, I just want to, you know, express how, how Gra- grateful i want to express my gratitude and how grateful i am for for all the people listening uh to still be one of the fastest growing podcasts out there is super cool uh especially given just how how long we've been around and you know, we obviously have y'all to thank and uh hopefully you you keep on listening and tell your friends and we always appreciate the ways that you support the show and advocate for it and promote it for us it, it means a lot and uh, without y'all uh we wouldn't be able to do what we love so, thanks. Uh, we have a very special guest. The one, the only, Justin Long is, returns to be our guest. He was our 200th guest. So he's back for another anniversary. It's great to have Justin. As you can expect, it's an amazing conversation. But before we get to Justin, what, what do we have to get into? Did you guys see that video of BB Rexa getting a phone? I, I heard is about it. it? I didn't see the video. BB. BB. Yeah, getting a that. phone, like, chucked at her. On stage? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming the guy got arrested? Yeah. He he's... got arrested. And, like, just very recently, it was revealed that, I guess, he wanted her to take a photo with his phone. You know how well, sometimes people will do that, yeah. like, throw a phone on stage and, like, get them to take a selfie? Yeah, I doubt he was trying to do it to, like, actually harm her, but that is, so like... So he threw her his phone to, to take a so that she would take a selfie with his phone and toss it back? 
yeah. was his intent. And instead yeah. nailed her in the face and caused her to get stitches, I believe. Is yeah. she pressing charges? I mean, he's clearly in police custody. So, like, if you found out if it was an accident, like, doesn't that change? Yeah. I mean, she- I think there's, like, this huge thing about, like, because a, a while back I was seeing people at Harry Styles concerts. Yeah, like, hitting the nuts once. People threw, like, candy at him and it like hit his eye like crazy shit people are throwing at singers and like expecting them to have fun with it and it's like no you're first of all like that they could slip on that or like you could hit them and hurt them like why are you throwing shit at them like that seems just so disrespectful maybe they need to make an example of this guy i think it like it follows a common thread of like people just getting way too comfy and entitled with like anybody who's like famous i mean or has any kind of notoriety deck like hit the ground. Did that stop the concert? Um, I mean, have. in the video I saw, she kind of like almost tried to walk it off and then just like hit the ground. And then you could see like team members from like in the wings, like come out to check on her and make sure she was OK. Like clearly she was not. She left. Yeah, yeah. she left the show. Damn. Yeah. That guy must have felt like a dick. And it's like you can't even be like, oh, it wasn't me because like it's, it's your a phone. picture it's your of you phone. on your lock screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, is this your dog? Yeah. <laughs> Does it unlock with your, your face? face ID? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my That's God. That's the damning evidence. Uh, and uh, Harry, uh, Harry and Meghan are coming under fire again. You love to, you hate to see it. You love I mean, Megan's <laughs> podcast archetypes got dropped from Spotify. So she had like a, a 20, people's choice nominee. She had like a $25 million <laughs> deal with a Spotify. And now it's coming out that she never actually even interviewed her guests. And like the questions that the guests were asked were actually asked by a producer. And then Megan would go in solo and just like record things herself. No. Do pickups. That's what, like, because some of the guests Come are on. posting, that, like, is that true? I so enjoyed my time. Thanks to Blank for being a great interviewer. And it's not Megan. It's someone on her team. They're, so like, someone crediting- else would read the questions yeah. and then they would answer the questions and then Megan would come in and record her asking the Apparently questions? that's what people are saying. No. Because yeah. they, they thanked other people for being good interviewers and that person wasn't Megan. And she wasn't having nobodies. I mean, I know they, I feel like they promised... When that when that show that podcast came out, they the I feel like the expectation was that she was going to have other like heads of state, the Oprah Winfrey's of the yeah. world, the not that, not that Oprah's a head of state, but like you know Michelle Obama, you know truly like world. To be famous. fair, I mean I think it's not a huge stretch that she wasn't based on just like the structure of her podcast. She would do these main You're interviews. Defend this? No, but listen to the structure. So it'd be like she'd do an interview, let's say with like. Serena Williams and mm-hmm. then she'd have a moment where she's like she'll do this voiceover and she'll say I began wondering where like this word came from and where as a society we started doing this so I decided to ask professor of blah 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 from NYU here's what she had to say okay. so you know what I mean those were always separate clips so does Megan herself need to be the one getting on zoom with this professor at NYU and getting does she her need response? to no but it just yeah. comes across as so inauthentic inauthentic and they definitely don't let people know they do this, right? Like, they don't promote this. This is not something that is common knowledge. We're all having this kind of, like, really response. And what the fuck else is she doing? You Being know? mother? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But, but she's also got all this money and privilege, and I'm sure nannies, and given all this money to do this show, and she can't even show up for it? Well, Kelly Osborne might agree with you, because she called Prince Harry a fucking twat. Wow. Is what she said. Why is twat such a bad word? Everyone's what fucking is- life is hard. <laughs> you were the prince of a goddamn country. 
is what she said. Yeah. He's a whining, complaining, woe is me. I'm the only one that's ever had mental problems. My life is hard. They're becoming more and more unlikable. You know? Listen, they, they called the press on themselves and clearly tried to pitch a story about the paparazzi, hoping that they would endear their audience and, and compare it to, you know, Princess Diana's death. And it worked for about eight hours until... Yeah, it's still working on me. You, you're a big fan? Yeah. You don't think, you don't have any... I don't see, like, the really big issue that everyone has with them. I don't have an... I, I don't really... I, I don't really care. I find them to be insufferable and boring. I don't really care. I just find them to be insufferable <laughs> They're and the worst. Boring. They're the most privileged people in the world. And they complain a lot. The thing is, is that their whole point, though, is that, like, there is a media narrative that is, like, so twisted that has, like, forever poisoned, like, the public's image of them. Like, whether you believe that or not... Like that very premise is that like anything that comes out is kind of like just like fuels this narrative of like the media has always had this like in like very intense bias against them. That might be true, but I always had a positive opinion of them until I started paying attention and watching their documentaries and consuming their content. And then I started to be annoyed by them. So I don't know. From afar, I always found them to be likable and and kind of uh, America's versions of, of of king and queen. And then I watched the documentary and I felt like they were just really privileged complainers. Which they do have some valid things to complain about. Like what? Like the stories that they spread about her and her them sitting outside of her mother's home. And like yeah, they no, did I, some terrible things to her. I, it's hard to feel sorry for them. Uh, yeah, they're just dump trucks of money backed up on their front lawn. And that doesn't they, mean their problems aren't real. No, I just it's just hard to empathize with people who have an incredible amount of privilege and and the thing they do most of is complain. Me personally, I have a hard time. I mean, I guess that just goes to prove that like money doesn't make you happy. True. Yeah. yeah. I know it's we you know we've covered the fact that Kim Cattrall is coming back to and just like that for uh, reportedly just doing something without the rest of the cast. And it's going to be at the very end of the entire season two. Kind of like Meghan Markle's voiceovers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> Makes an impact. Not really the meat of it. <laughs> um, but Michael Patrick King, the writer and director, was quoted as saying he didn't know why Kim Cattrall came back. And it really did make me curious. Like, why did she come back? I, and I guess the obvious answer is like maybe they offered her a ton of money. But it seemed like, I don't know, I feel like Kim Cattrall could get her bag elsewhere. Maybe not. Maybe she felt like she owed it to the fans of Sex and the City. There like you go. That her, she didn't feel like her out was appropriate. And like she understood the fans' frustration when they're just like, where the fuck is Samantha? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, she's she's in LA. She like sent flowers to Big's funeral. Like, okay, I guess so. And she probably was like, you know what? They, they deserve something more. So totally. I'm going to show up for like, Four seconds. Well, I do think she kind of got the best of both worlds in that case because we really got to see how much Samantha adds to the show. Because I feel like that was, yeah. and granted, maybe we were just looking for a scapegoat for why this revival like wasn't what we hoped for. But I do think we really got to appreciate Samantha now that she was gone. I missed her. I missed that sass. Yeah. Yeah. Cindy Lauper has not been inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame yet, and she was quoted as saying, "I don't need a badge." And I'm just curious, like, if you were. If there were a whatever. Did someone ask her about it or did she bring it up? So she was on the list of nominees this year. 
and then was not on the list of inductees. So I think that's like kind of the pertinence of it right now. I am the last person to ask about music and history of it, but she seems fairly iconic. Yeah. I feel like she deserves a spot. Absolutely. She's iconic. She she had definitely her day. It reminds me of when like Celine Dion was left off that like Rolling Stone yes. top 100 artists of all time list. That's and insane. Yeah. And it's like if you're one of these artists who's like a mega superstar, uncontested history making person, and then you get passed over for like one of the accolades, like is there anything you can say without sounding My either like favorite- petty my favorite musician who handles this well, I think, is actually Jimmy Buffett because he produced, you know what I mean? He creates music that is never, it's not really like the nominated for the Grammys. You don't see him at these like bigger events, but he's like thriving down in Key West. And I feel like he's done interviews before where he's like, no, I'm good. Like he almost doesn't need that to prove that his music is good and impactful and he has great fans. He, well, Jimmy Buffett definitely doesn't. But I yeah, guess maybe I just one, think it's cool. I guess, yeah, sure. Like he's kind of a timeless person who still performs. I don't know if he still does, but he he still does. Yeah, and when if he does, he still sells out. Like he's yes. still a draw, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah. And I don't know when the last time Cindy's been performing, so I could see why maybe it might mean more to someone like her than Jimmy, who's just like, I get validation anytime I walk outside, you know. And maybe it's just not the same for Cindy anymore so I could I can understand yeah that. maybe she just wants that as like a feather in her cap but yeah. it sounds like maybe she doesn't it sounds like she's like ah, F the noise although you kind of have to say that you know no matter how much you do want it you it's can't like when you're like, not asked back you can't to say you, in paradise you're like I, I didn't want to go I sometimes like it when people are just like you know what it would have meant a lot to me and I'm disappointed I didn't get it you yeah know? Amy like, Poehler talks about this for like Emmys about yeah. like how it's like you have to pretend you don't want the cookie yeah. even though of course everybody yeah. wants I the like cookie. it when people just acknowledge I'm like yeah that would have been really meaningful to me but you know I'm gonna be a good sport and congratulations to the person who won it but like I it, I'm a little disappointed yeah, yeah, you can still be gracious and express disappointment, I feel like. It definitely feels like a very big green flag when someone can like talk about disappointment casually or like talk about like rejection or something like that they didn't go their way and admit that they wanted it to go their way without like being like, oh, I didn't care if it went my way ever. Or, like, yeah. I'm over it. Nally and I have some uh, wedding uh, <gasps> updates for y'all. We've so been thought, dying to thought, know. Thought we, we thought we would share. We picked a wedding date. Spring of 2024. And we're going to get married in Georgia. <gasps> we're oh, taking it back home, baby. <laughs> Natalie, was that like what you'd kind of always like envisioned for yourself on some level? Oh, absolutely. I like always dreamed of getting married at the place we're getting married at. And I thought that dream would be shattered because they, the city cut off like 11 acres of this property to build a highway. And they cut like some of my favorite part of the property. It was like a big willow tree. It was just like a stunning piece. And the city just took it. And so I was like, I guess I won't get married there. And then, you know, we've had a lot of conversations and we have a lot of help from people and we made it happen. So I'm really, really excited. Things are getting real. I honestly, like when we got engaged, I mean, like, and we even kind of mentioned it, like, I think the intent was to have a fairly expedited engagement. It all happens so fast. And then you start wedding, you know, like thinking about wedding planning. And then for us, it's like we didn't really know when to start or where to start. It's like we have all this to do. Where do we where do we go to? And I think we got a little like overwhelmed. And so we kind of like took a, a, a small step back. Then we found Zola. And that that really that that helped change 
our kind of wedding planning course. Because before that, it was like, where, where do we, where, what are we supposed to do? How do you? Yeah, like what's the order of? How do you start? I have like talked to so many of my friends who planned their wedding and they just always like scared me because they talked about how stressful it was. And that is the last thing I want. I want the planning to be just as fun as the actual wedding. And Zola has made it so easy. I love it. I mean, I was familiar with Zola. Like my cousin Cole just used them yeah. for their, their and weddings And so we up. got their wedding invite through their, they used Zola for their website. And that's how we RSVP'd and their invites and things like that. We asked some friends and they highly recommended Zola. And so like we just started using them. And it really just... If you, if anyone's out there wedding planning and you like, you feel overwhelmed and you don't know where to go and like how to start, like, honestly, like truly you got to check out Zola because they do it all. Like from beginning to end, it's like, you can do their custom website and then they have this great place. That's where we did. That's how we started doing our guest list and they make it really easy to make and adjust, you know, if you change your mind and things like that. That's where you kind of start. We started with our guest list. Yeah. That was the first yeah, thing we did. The first, the first thing you did wedding planning. Uh, wise. You can do custom invitations, things like that. And then because we're getting married in Georgia, they have like, they work with like local, they have work with all different types of vendors, like, I guess really across the world. Yeah. You can yeah. just put in like your location of where your wedding is and then it pulls up all local vendors for DJ, for food catering, for tents, yeah. for linens. We don't know any vendors in the place in which we're, we're getting married. So Zola kind of hooks it up and like gives you a list of different vendors from like, you know, florals and like, you know, like Natalie said, DJs. I, I'm just not good at doing that stuff. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know how to search for things. And the vendors who work with Zola, are, they're verified and like approved so they could kind of trusted partners of zola so they've been great to work with yeah there's uh, not just like some random person who's like thrown on their website they've been vetted and they've have a lot of experience in weddings which is like a sense of ease yeah because i just felt so overwhelmed starting and i you know i think sometimes we didn't know where to start and if you have been planning a wedding maybe you can relate to this but like you just feel overwhelmed so you set it aside for a couple of days you set it aside you set it aside but they just they really made it easier so it's been a, a breath of fresh air i'm so excited because i'm like designing the on their customizable invite designs to save the dates and like invitations and stuff. I'm so excited and pulling inspiration from all over and they look so good. And they will share a little something, something. We get asked about it all the time. And it's like, we, you know, and it's like we were planning, you know, we were planning to plan. Yeah. There was a lot of planning to plan. It's like well, We just needed a little help. Yeah. So now, now we got the ball rolling and uh, we will share more of our wedding planning experience with you. And uh, I got to say, if you're out there and you just got engaged or you've been engaged and the wedding planning is put off, I'm telling you, just check out Zola, especially if you feel lost and overwhelmed. They, they really make it super easy. Your registry, I mean, you, from beginning, from like cradle to grave, so to speak, when it comes to your wedding planning process. They, they have it all. Cradle to grave. You ever heard that expression? No, yeah. but I love it. Cradle to grave. Yeah. Yeah. Zola's got it, it got all it there from, from beginning to end. You can even, so you can make like a customizable website, obviously, that you send to the, your guest list and they can see like itinerary and travel and whatnot and RSVP and stuff there. And you can add like a little video to, so I want to add us a video on ours. Ooh, look out, look out for that. If you've heard me talk about weddings, uh, we talk about it a lot lately and I emphasize it's your day and don't ruin it with all the rigmarole. And that's such a priority for Nally and I. So, so far, so great when it comes to our wedding planning experience. It's giving stress-free. It's giving, it's giving stress-free. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, guys, once again, thank you so much for being with us on this journey, whether you've listened to one or all 600 episodes. We appreciate you all so much. Uh, what a great time to maybe give us a five-star review if you're feeling so generous. But truly, thank you. We have so much great episodes uh, ahead for you. Can't wait to give you 600 more. We love you. We thank you for all the things you've done for us and our show. Also, before uh, we get to Justin, next week is the premiere of The Bachelorette season. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of listening to Natalie, myself, and the gang, along with Elise Gilfoyle, going over The Bachelor bios. Maybe you've thought to yourself, I'm not watching this season, you know, for whatever reason. Perhaps that reason was you thought that Charity, as lovely as a human as she might be, might be too grounded, might be too mature. The family therapist that she is, she might be not dramatic television. Well, I'm here to say, after watching the first two episodes, that our girl Charity is a little messier than I anticipated in the best possible way. There is someone that she seems to really like that you're all going to fucking hate. And if history tells us anything, it is that great television on The Bachelor is when the lead likes someone that you are truly disgusted with. And uh, she seems to have a really bad picker early on. And if I've really, I've been pleasantly surprised by the entertainment value of the first two episodes. So that's all I'm going to say. Either way, we'll be recapping it. I highly recommend you checking it out if you are on the fence, because it is so far a, a, a season I have really enjoyed. We are taking a uh, two-week hiatus from Better Date Than Never because I will be traveling internationally and unavailable. So uh, we're going to take a couple weeks break and we will be back better than ever when we return to Better Date Than Never. So it will not be live tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Sadly, we, we are going to take a couple weeks off. So enjoy your summer. Miss us because we'll miss you. And we will return to you in a couple weeks. And we can't wait to do that. Justin Long, everybody. Happy 600. Need a break from reality? Ever feel like you just want to escape? Well, cheer up, Buttercup, because Paramount Plus has your great reality escape. Escape into new seasons of the biggest competition shows ever. That's right, like Survivor, Big Brother, and the Challenge World Championship. With the boldest personalities from the family Stallone to RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars and queen of the universe and the wildest drama like Are You the One? Plus hundreds of previous seasons all streaming at your fingertips. See, reality ain't so bad. Your great reality escape is with Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, stream now. You know, they're developing technology. Uh, they have it where they can, they can tell what animals are thinking. They can communicate with animals. How? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be here if I knew. I develop, I'd be. But it's coming out? Because I always want to know what Jeff's thinking. I think thinking. it's, they have the technology. I think they're trying to make it accessible. They can do certain words. Like there's, they can communicate. They they can understand what they're saying. They can translate. Um, I think dogs and I don't know. I thought all animals were just like, when I hear animals out in the wild, I I, th I just think of them like I was in the rainforest. Kate and I we could talk about that. We were in the rainforest, and there was just sound. I mean, you know, you put on one of those rainforest apps, but it's just noises like a cacophony of sounds. And and I just imagine them all to be like, I want to fuck, or like I'm. It's it's pretty much that, right? Like I, call signs. Call, yeah, who wants yeah. to fuck? I want to fuck. Yeah. You want to fuck? I'm horny. I'm horny. I want babies. <laughs> but all, all over the place. But I guess, I don't know, maybe they're saying other things.
When do we have we begun? Kind of. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we never really know. It's just you do like a soft. That's launch. what I like a soft. Yeah. yeah. It's a cold open. Sometimes. There's some direct. Like Clint Eastwood doesn't say action for that reason. He just, you know, and some directors do that. Whenever, yeah, whenever. I, the guy who directed, he's just on that interview, was Ken Quapis. And he, he kind of sounded like this. He was a very sweet, he is a very sweet, gentle guy. And he would just go, yeah, go whenever you're ready, you know. So you don't feel this, now I'm not acting and now I am acting. So it's just, it, it, it helps for a more organic as you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I, I like it when we just kind of start organically yeah. and, and pick up. And then sometimes I'll just say like, hey, Justin, welcome. You know? Yeah, like. There's no, it's interesting, there's no like, there's no shift. Sometimes when, I mean, you've done these, and I'm sure being on The Bachelor, it's you felt when the cameras came out, there was probably some kind of palpable like sure. energy shift. And like, yeah. even if it's just a little like, oh, now we're on. Oh, yeah. You'd yeah. almost see it. You see it. I would notice it more with my peers. I bet. And not so much that I wasn't doing it, but yeah. I could see them, I could see the shift in the energy turning and like it on. everyone turning it on. Yeah. You know, it, cause like the downtime of like us just like being human beings and talking about life and then all of a sudden be a cocktail party and be like, why are you acting so weird? Yeah, I you bet. Know, like, I, thought, well, I thought we were friends yeah, 10 minutes ago. Like what the fuck, Chad? You know, Is like, there any way to, that's funny. I know, I see that on the show. Cause then they have, like especially Bachelor in Paradise, they have, have the cameras that, people probably maybe even forget about because they're not as visible and so they're behaving a little bit more whether it's more affectionate <laughs> or like you know they get a little more touchy or, yeah in those cameras and, and then i also notice it when they do the outtakes when they're oh my god a bug or something goes wrong a, a stand falls and you get to i i always wish they would include those things in the show as part of or on the dates you know if something goes wrong that's often when the best stuff happens the that's, human, yeah yeah the humanity comes yeah. out now, we were talking about this on life is short my podcast about what what a good first date food would be you know what's a good thing to eat on a first date and somebody had written in about i love soup dumplings these um they're called jialong bows i just i took my i took kate there yesterday for her first din tai fung but you it's, did yeah it's you, the, have you had them the soup dumplings yeah yeah. Nick kind of sounded a little sad. Like yeah. you took you her, took her instead and of not me. me. Yeah. <laughs> it was very tender. Are we gonna go? Uh, for sure? a, I, yeah. Are we, <laughs> can we go? He's like, Jen. are we surprise made? <laughs> but I have to leave for you know a week. You're gone. Three, two weeks. Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. I, I'm so. I wish we could talk about it because I'm so. In, I'm so curious. Yeah. I'm. Can, I'm nervous. I bet you can't. You can't say. I don't think I'm supposed to, no, to okay, talk about it okay. yet. Yeah. Um, but I am doing a show. That that requires quite a bit of courage, resiliency. Yeah, I, you don't think courage? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'm going to die though. Yeah. But but there's a there's a this is my thing about and, and I, I get into this with Kate all the time because she's jumped out of a plane and you've jumped out of a plane. You haven't. I have not. You should tell me why because I, I can tell you why I don't want to. Let's start there. It's it. You know when people die, you know you read about a death. Like there's a part of me that thinks, well, they put themselves in a very dangerous situation you know you jump out of a plane and it's the the likelihood of dying is is greatly increases compared to if you weren't to jump out of the plane yeah no i mean that's a very like sound argument it's like if you read about a death like let's say i die doing it and you read it people read about it um they'll, they'll they'll say which is arrogant of me to think that they'll read about it but they probably will and it'll be like i'm sure a lot of people myself included might think well i mean yeah but it's like the Darwin Awards. You ever read the Darwin Awards? No. Yeah. What is that? It's, oh my god. Yeah. What? How would you describe people who? I mean, it's, yeah. It's sort of. It's like kind of like a cheeky way of. 
Oh, oh without now sounding callous, it, it sounds callous because it's like it's about it's people who die doing things that were probably were ill advised. They should have known. The, yeah. the name being like a reference to the fact that you know, like survival of the fittest. Like this was maybe a, a not super fit decision to engage in yeah. this kind of thing. So listen, I I think anything could be made into a dangerous thing. So like the jumping out of a plane, mm -hmm. like you know, skydiving. Right. I get what you're saying. But like the act of skydiving is relatively well, it is actually not even relatively. It's extremely safe if if your if your focus is just to survive the skydive. If all you're doing is I want to jump out of this plane, pull the chute, uh -huh. it's actually extremely safe. And I was actually talking about this with Natalie. We went to we went and got dinner uh, at a place called Burger Shoot. Have you been to Burger Shoot Road? Burger she wrote. No, I've heard about John it. Beverly, very good. I read how you like a great. good smash burger. It's excellent. Uh, and I love a good pun. Yeah. And so it's you, got both those yeah, things. Yeah, there you go. And then right next to it is uh, an um, amazing Mexican joint owned by the same people. So you can actually like order from both. Sometimes we do uh, that. Okay. Really, really, really good. It's on Beverly? It's on Beverly. What's the Mexican place called? Because that sounds familiar. There's like so many Mexican places okay. on that on that street. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's kind of, I think called Consuela. Okay. Something like that. Shout out. It's a good yeah. shout out. But like now down the down the path from El Coyote mm -hmm. and uh, I loved El Coyote and then there's a lot of fun a, at El Coyote there's another place but anyway it's right you 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 sit outside you have your smash burger and you're like right you know it's like LA so you're like you have a table and you're next to cars and you're yeah. like around the street and I'm just like look and it's it was relatively busy traffic and you're just looking at all the people driving and you you just just an insane number of cars and yeah. all these people on their phones and I distracting know. and I you're know. like every day I get into a car and You're I right. put my life on the line exactly with Kate all these people yeah. that I have no idea what they're doing or what they're thinking about. And You're how at the mercy of I'm all I'm at the of mercy them. of all these yeah. people. And like, and when you really think about it, that sounds insane. I and know. then simply jumping out of a plane. <laughs> it's a good argument. It's actually relatively, relatively safe. All the huh. accidents, well, not all, but I, it seems like the almost overwhelming majority of people who have ever had an accident jumping out of a plane, uh -huh. it's the professionals. Huh. It's because they are pushing the limits. So they are oh. jumping with smaller parachutes or they're pulling the cord, huh. you know, far later, you know, when, when they're, say, only like 500 feet above ground or going at a certain speed and they're doing tricks and, and that's where it goes wrong. But like huh. laymen who are just like, hey, giant parachute where like, you know, you just jump and pull, actually incredibly safe. I, I appreciate that argument. Yeah. And I'm also... Um... I also wish I hadn't heard it because now I think part subconsciously I'm, I'm looking for excuses too. My biggest fear jumping out of a plane yeah. was the fear of falling. Uh -huh. That 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 roller coaster bungee jump kind of free fall where your stomach stays. Oh, yes. And you fall. Fear not doesn't exist in skydiving. Really? Yeah. That like uh, my stomach's going into my esophagus doesn't exist. Really? I wonder why. Sir Isaac Newton once say, "When something is in motion, it continues to stay in motion." You've heard that yeah. type of thing. So when you're when you're skydiving, you get in a plane. Which is why when you drop something from a building, no matter the, the weight, it's it falls in the same, the same maybe, velocity. Yeah. I but this, I don't know if that's the part I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, but I'm, yeah, talking about the ta I'm talking about the part that when you get in a plane, you're yeah. already going 150 or two. I don't know what the speed uh -huh. the plane is going at, but your body is already in motion. So when you oh. jump out, you're just simply changing direction. You're not oh, starting at zero, right. and it's the feeling of your body not moving and then going at an incredible speed instantaneously. 
that gives you that feeling of falling. That's the roller coaster Be- effect. Yeah, because oh, you you start right. you're starting at zero miles per hour and then you immediately drop. So like a bungee jump would feel that way. Would, would feel that way. Oh. But skydiving is just simply you just feel like you're flying. Wow. Oh, that's a really great so argument. So there is no feeling of falling. Okay, well now if I do die in a skydiving accident. All my fault. Well, <laughs> not all. But you've contributed greatly to I'll it. feel pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely thing, feel bad. The thing that reassures me the most when I went skydiving is yeah. I was like, if I die, this place is out of business forever. That's, forever. That, like, there's money on the line for them. They need so, me to like, survive In this, this capitalist yeah. that, world. Oh, you're right. I see what you're saying. I thought it was like um, some kind of schadenfreude. Like, if, if that they would, if because they oh, yeah, killed like you. my revenge. Yeah, your revenge from the afterlife. <laughs> from the grave. That's a good point. That's a, another really good point. We, we were going to go skydiving huh. for my friend's 40th a couple weeks ago, but weather didn't work out. Should you us. guys go skydiving and then go get dumplings? That's not a that would be bad awesome. idea. I wouldn't mind going skydiving. I think you'd be a good person to go skydiving with because Why? you sound, well, because you're making a good argument for it, but also you, I bet you'd be very relaxed. And I was I, very nervous. I mean, I haven't done it in 20 years. Oh. I did it for my college graduation. Oh. You've uh, done it once then? I've only done it once. And at what point in the dive did you think, this is great. This is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not scary. Um, when you landed. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because it was tandem, right? And so you're, oh, you're yeah. strapped to like, someone who knows what they're doing. And, it's, and so when you're on what the What are pl- they doing? Are they yelling things? Like, are, they're all, can you they're hear? the creepiest people. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, now this is a con. Put like, this in the con The aisle. con is they're kind of... They're, they're kind like of, the carnies of ha- the sky. Yeah. They're, oh. yeah, they're kind of grimy. And then like they... And granted, this is 20 okay. years ago, so maybe 2023, they're a little bit more appropriate, but they were being super inappropriate with all the women. And oh, so yeah. like, this is a, my experience. But like you're strapped in. So yeah, like, once you're strapped in, it's very it doesn't intimate. matter. You're, 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 you're fucked. You're like, I'm actually... I have no choice but to roll out of this plane. And that is a very surreal feeling. Like I'm actually going to just... So I'm, with, I'm just going to jump with a creepy stranger. I might with die a, with a creepy stranger yeah. strapped to me. And, and so like at the time when I was skydiving, when I was about to, to roll out, I could feel, so you have like a strap over your shoulder, like uh-huh. a, it feels like a backpack and I could feel it kind of, it felt like it was like gliding Did, off my shoulder. Oh my no. So that was really paranoid about that. Oh, but I, I oh forgot about the fact that you have like 30 hooks. You're hooked in. That, that had nothing to do. Yeah. But I was so but while, still, while I was a, falling, I was like, oh like pulling on the shoulder, God, thinking, I, and I was just imagining the chute opening, and then me like just slipping, slipping out. out. <laughs> oh man! And you did such great work to convince me to do it, and now you're you're undoing. But it was totally safe. That was just me being paranoid. I was fully yeah. secure, and and then in fact, for me, falling was not the most fun part hmm. because you it it honestly just feels like you are standing up in a convertible oh it's just like, sh- yeah the wind you wow. know and there's no sense of falling but when the chute opens wow. you're still about you so we jumped at fifteen thousand feet uh-huh. fell for about 50 seconds to a minute so you fall for about ten thousand feet wow wow and the chute opens at five thousand feet so you're still five thousand feet in the sky and wow. you're just like peter panning it you're just standing in the sky and if you don't you know you look up you see the chute but like your sense of like holy shit i'm floating like in it's yeah. it, that was to me the coolest part oh, just bet. kind of like, oh, would be, like you're like be cool. you know. i wish i could just get there without going up in the plane the anticipation the strapping in the creepy instructor i wish <laughs> i could just be in the air you know but once you floating. do it you're landing you're like that was the cool like i yeah, remember yeah. waking mm-hmm. up and it was a little cloudy and i remember like not, i was t- like i even lying to myself being like yeah, I want to go, but like, I hope it like rains. Like, I I wanted oh, it to get canceled. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely afraid of you had of real going. um 
butterflies you had oh yeah Yeah. but i was very glad i did it it's um i'm i think i'll do it one day yeah i think i will i had the creep the creepy instructors is fun so so the 50 seconds to a minute as you're falling are you thinking about the parachute maybe not opening that that, i definitely thought about that yeah, yeah 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 I was like, huh, what if it doesn't open? Are you going, are you, woo, are you yelling? Are you like, ah, are you saying anything? Or are you just so in awe of? I was kind of in awe. Yeah. 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 Were you a kid who went on roller coasters when, when you were young? Uh, eventually, but I was also was a younger kid that chickened out. Oh, me, oh yeah. Me I definitely my mother was out. very neurotic about that. First stuff. time I went to Great America, I went on no roller coasters and I went with my uncle and he was very disappointed in me. Oh, oh, so he, <laughs> so he was encouraging. How old were you? I wonder. Eight or nine. I've been wa- listening to a lot of like Glennon Doyle and thinking a lot about I like internal family s- systems, you know, I- IFS stuff. And, and I'm, and I'm just so curious how people have become the way they are, like where, where those fears came from. Like, like K- Kate, uh, has a fear of spiders. We went on, she took me on this great birthday trip. We went to the rainforest, uh, in Ecuador, which is, a, which was like a childhood dream to go to the Galapagos. Speaking of Darwin. So I got to the, go to the Galapagos islands. And then she took me to this rainforest called the Chokey rainforest. And, um, and she would go, she was so into all the animals, you know, she's, she's adventuresome. She jumped out of a plane. She's, um, but spiders are a thing. And I asked her why that was, I, I wonder where that came from. And, um, and she, she pinpointed it. She knew exactly when she was a kid, she loved spiders and she loved Charlotte's web, you know, so she, and because of that book, the, the, the lead, the benevolent main character is a spider. And, um, so she loved them and she would play with them and she would touch them and, she grew up in Cal. She lived in California when she was a kid, and she was going to reach for a spider, a black, you know, shiny orbed spider uh, with a little red marking underneath. And she went to go touch it, and her mother witnessed this. And she, Patty, shout out to <laughs> Patty Bosworth, and she screamed, and she was, you know, rightly so, because she was about to touch a black widow. Kate was about to touch a black, and she didn't know it. She didn't know that some. And Patty said, "Oh!" oh and screamed and stopped her, and it was the. The fear of that, seeing, I, I, I do vaguely remember this, like when my parents were that afraid, you know, you, you really absorb that kind of energy. And so it was, ever since then, she's been really traumatized. Of, it was a traumatic thing. Yeah. But her mother was, see, I think about this and I don't know what I would, like, what do you do? I was just talking about, uh, what do you do with kids? Because, you know, we really want to have kids. And, and um, I, I'm so curious how kids are formed and how you best form kids. How do you keep kids... Um, like if a kid is like curious about sex or something, I was like a very like, I, I was really <laughs> curious about sex when I was little. When I was like, how a, young? Oh man, four, five. I I've four. I've thought about. I actually was thinking about this last night because last night Natalie and I watched Twins mm. for the first time. <laughs> oh, and I hadn't seen Twins. I haven't seen it in a long time. In a long time, and then I re- it was like it hit me. Uh, Marnie. Arnold's love interest. Kelly Preston. Is that her, who she was? I yeah, remember, I was like, beautiful. I said to Natalie, I'm like, oh my God, I'm just having like this flashback. I would, had such a crush Me on her. Me too. And I, that line, remember that line? Oh, this bed is lumpy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, my brother and I always repeated that line. She, she, cause she tries to get, and I didn't understand what it meant. I was like, lumpy bed. Why is she so, cause she was just trying to like sleep, sleep with. She but was, I was th- like seven or eight when yeah, that movie too. came out. So yeah, I remember I having wondering. a crush on this woman before I hit puberty and that, and like that weird, like before you hit puberty, knowing that you still liked women, I, I it's this strange, a weird, I had, I had this weird kind of feeling about it when I watched I, it last I, night. I'm so interested in that period because I've seen in my nephews now, they're, they're five and three and, and there's this, when, when 
they're around Kate. They like or any. I see them kind of like respond differently to 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 women and to and one of them, the three year old, has like a crush on a girl. Now, but I remember being watching Return of the Jedi. I was that came out in nineteen eighty. I was like four when I saw it, five maybe, and seeing Carrie Fisher in that you know a bikini bikini yeah. Leah Thompson in Back to the Future. I hate saying that one because I now know Leah. Yeah. I've become I've like become friendly with her and. She was one of my first like you know, crushes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a weird thing. But you're right. It's before it's sexualized. It's just like I gravitate toward that person. I, I uh, one of my brothers, I won't name, um, and I have a lot, so it's safer. But you do. Uh, that's right. I uh, we, <laughs> and I, he was like probably like three or four. Will he five. know? Will he know? I don't. Yeah. If yeah. he listens, I don't yeah. think he's gonna listen. But really? I don't. Who knows? Maybe he does. Um, but uh, <laughs> we'd like walk into his bedroom, and he'd be like humping the floor oh yeah and i'm not judging him but i do think yeah i think like young boys or kids i think when we when we get older we think oh i didn't do shit like that until i hit puberty and i think we forget kind of how weird we fucking were as little kids and how we how exploratory we were right. with our bodies and, but and then certain the, things before we even knew what it was but then the thing i'm so the thing i'm curious about now is how do we as as parents as potential parents what do you do in, in, in the face of that? Like, how do you respond to that without adding, sh without like injecting adding shame, shame yeah. or fear or, you know, uh, like a friend of mine said he had a moment with his son in the, in the bathtub. They were, they're taking a bath together. And I used to take baths with my dad and, and, um, and he, I, I, I think he was at one years old, maybe like, maybe around one, maybe one and a half. He just grabbed my friend's, can we say, what, 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 penis, dick, penis? Yeah. grab my friend's penis. And uh, just held it and he just stared at him and my friend, and there's no like, <laughs> there's no playbook for that. There's no like, uh, I don't think a parent, parent book that's like, if your child grabs your penis and stares at you, here's what you do. In the bathtub. In the bathtub or anywhere. Because you want to laugh. I mean, my older brother is, is, he tells me stories about raising the kids and like, he's like, they do things to push your boundaries that are so funny sometimes. You know, they're trying to get a rise out of you. They're trying to provoke, but- it ends up just being funny. You want to laugh, but you can't, you know? So in this case, I said to my friend, well, what, you know, and he said, I didn't know what to do. I just, I kind of froze. And I said, that's, <laughs> he said like, that's daddy's penis. <laughs> and that's, that's daddy's. And you have one, you know, just, but how do you, how do you impress upon a kid that that's like, not something you should be doing in public, you know, if you without were, shaming them, without shaming yeah. them. I mean, just two guys without kids, yeah, mansplaining, <laughs> childsplaining. <laughs> but I'm just curious. I, the things I think about, because yeah. uh, like you, I mean, Natalie and I are very much in the let's have kids yes. stage of our lives. Yeah. Is this a first for you to be thinking this way? Have you always wanted kids? I've always wanted kids. Yeah, me too. So it's always been, it's, it's, it's my dream, yeah. dream come true. Oh, yeah. I've, uh, oh, you'll be a great dad. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see, do you see mistakes your parents made do you see, see things that were i mean are you able to discern um, I, I have what you want to do I, I i feel like my parents did an amazing job generally yeah. speaking um i think around that topic I, you know i grew up very catholic very me too? very conservative ah me too um didn't really talk a lot about sex my Same. you know I, I definitely remember the birds and the bees conversation with my dad you do how did he did he approach it was he awkward about it i don't remember him being awkward uh -huh. i remember yeah not really, but I also don't remember ever feeling when I was old enough to know what it really was. I yeah. remember having the conversation so young that I was like bored of the conversation. I mean, like, why are you, why are we talking about oh, this? Like, oh. I don't, 
You've already you already knew. Yeah, like I well, I think my <laughs> Brian down the street, kid down the street, told uh, me about it. My parents were living, so then like it was like a forced conversation. My dad like <laughs> Brian needed to have. The gun. But I also remember like you know not being old enough to have an interest. Yeah, in the yeah. topic, it was like, huh? Okay, well, I, cool. I Can I go play with my you know toys? I remember being in fifth grade. I, I was a late bloomer in every respect. You know, like um, gro- growth wise intellectually um and definitely when it came to sex because they just didn't we didn't talk about it in my family it wasn't um yeah but i never felt comfortable you know once i hit puberty i would oh my god would never talk about it with my parents yeah you know like and so i think that's one thing i very much you know if i were to change anything from how i was raised to how i hope to raise my children yes is i I want them to feel very comfortable talking about that stuff me too with, with me and mom, so to speak. That's why I've been thinking about it. I feel like, what do I know about parenting? But I just want, I want to empower my kids to um, like respect themselves and respect boundaries so that yes. they don't feel the need to like, you know, rebel against, you know, us or the world and, and teach Like, I just want my kid to feel like they have value. Uh-huh. And so whatever they do, they will, they'll ask themselves, is this worth my time? Is this worth, like, you know, rather than tell them they can't do something You're or right. shame them into not doing something, I want right. them to think about whether they, they think it's worthy of themselves. Well, this, this Glennon Doyle podcast, which I'm going to poorly regurgitate now, uh, is they talked about the idea that you're not to compartmentalize uh, things like shame and, and behavior that is not um, healthy. So in a relationship, like with Kate, let's say, like, I, I would say... If I did, so, if I behaved in a way that I, um, I wasn't proud of, wasn't like the, you know, healthy behavior, it, we'd say like, well, this wasn't good. This thing wasn't good. This behavior wasn't, let's talk about it, like where it came from. Instead of saying, you're not good. You, you know, you're, you're, yeah. uh, deficient in some way, which, which causes, def- which creates like a defensiveness and yeah. then you the, go the to protect defense, yourself yeah, 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 and, yeah. and, 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 it, and it just spirals out of control. So it's like. This thing, I don't know, there's a, there's a way to communicate that to kids. And my sister-in-law, I think, does that really well. I've been really like, aware of how she's parenting because she's, she's got two boys and, and um, she's very communicative with them. She's very, uh, let's talk about why you did that, you know, where it came from, where behavior comes from. And I, so I still think, I mean, as do you. I mean, it's, you talk to adults about it and it's, it's like, how are you formed that way? And and so if you can nip it in the bud, if you can... totally, yeah. Well, because yeah, we nowadays we're learning so much about like how our uh, our behaviors as adults is just is a product from things that have happened from our childhood. Mm-hmm. I think that's the single most thing I've learned in therapy is totally. Anytime we are essentially triggered, you know, and triggers could be a variety, like could be a significant trigger or, or just like a like a trigger, small trigger, but Ultimately, when we are triggered, we we just basically turn into our, the age in which we yes. first experienced that trigger. I am yeah. fascinated by it. And that's really it's, fascinating. It led to relationships I was in. I I because I dealt with a lot of that without knowing, without knowing, having those tools and having the. I had the curiosity, I guess, but I wasn't well versed enough in in that in the world of therapy and where these things and exploring where these things come from. And now I just find it. Um, and now I'm with the healthiest person I've ever been with. So I. I, I, it's, it's very safe. It's a safe place. So I don't have to, I can explore those things in a, in a safe way without like 
there being like this urgency to to save a relationship, and I got to figure out why we're behaving. Why is this person behaving this way? Does that I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. Oh, but but there's one that I've been thinking about a lot, which is which um you just touched on, which is the you it's called the adaptive child self. There's there's a school of thought that says we we all want to live. We we want to get to the wise self where everyone wants. That's the the goal. That's is to be wise and wise selves. But so many of us live. Most of our behavior comes from an it's called an adaptive child self, which is when we're kids, we we and and we respond to dysfunction in our lives uh, to protect ourselves, and and it's actually a good thing. So if you have an alcoholic parent, um, maybe you'll you'll to, to protect yourself, you'll say, "Well, oh, they're not t- too drunk. They they just like to have a, a couple drinks, and they're just having fun. They're letting off steam, you know." Um, and it's a way to protect yourself. So those remain those adaptive child self. In, in, impulses remain. Um, and that's something I've been really watching in my own life, where certain things come from, where do triggers come from? Why do they exist? So I can change it, you know, so I can be better. I, and I, this may be disgusting. We might have to cut this out, but I, I just had a moment of a little pride <laughs> because on, on my way here, I ate, um, this might be disgusting. I ate a lot of papaya. I've been trying to, you know, get, my, the body. Yeah, get my system going. And I, for your listeners who don't know, this is a public service announcement. Papaya it has these enzymes that really help you. It's a natural laxative. Yes, yeah. okay. it, it helps you move. And um, helps you move. And, and, and I was <laughs> Allie, like <laughs> I might need some. Papaya. Uh, uh, really, Allie's very uh, open about her plumbing issues. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, like at one point in my life, it was like once every seven to ten days. Like what? I'm just like. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. shameful. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's some shame about Damn. that. I'm oh so <laughs> sorry. Like, I have such shame around that. That that was insensitive. Seven to ten days. Yeah, it's better now. Good ish. Does papaya help? Does it work? I don't for think you? I've ever eaten papaya. Well, oh, okay. I have some in the car. I um, <laughs> I couldn't finish it all. I, try try it out. I'm curious. Okay. Um, because I I struggle. It's been my whole life. So if you really? just solved my whole life, like wow. Uh, in in potty training, were you like a late potty trainer? Like age, because no, I had like, a I had a sibling hmm. who was like afraid of pooping. Was it the same one that was humping the floor? Yes, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, intuitively, and I think I know which one it is. <laughs> no, but my sister and I were both like impacted as babies. Like it was oh. like a it. We came out that way. Wow. We were both like lactose intolerant. Neither of us was like breastfed, so it's like we've had oh. a lot of like digestive. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. I think mine was more psychological. Like my no. my mom's mom my I, my mom was an actress and um. And we couldn't always like afford a nanny or so. So we would have to like run around the city with her. And which is the, probably the reason that the idea of being an actor when I was young was like uh, abhorrent. Like it's like the last thing I wanted to do because the image I had of like a professional actor was so stressful the and chaos, chaos and filled with rejection and like taxi cabs, not, you know, I just, it was just chaos. And, um, but I remember her taking us to Grand Central and if we'd had to, you, go number two if we had to poo she would hold us she would like layer the seat or something her mom would hold her above the seat in a, in a public so there was this i think it started as like a germ thing whatever it was it was like that is bad public defecation <laughs> is in a toilet <laughs> it's bad. not my favorite thing to do i will really i'll yeah i I'll... had a toilet explode on me in disney world as a child do you think it stems to that <laughs> oh yeah. When you say explode I'm not a professional. on you, you mean like yeah. came back out? Oh no! Like jack, like and a it was like right touched your body. Like oh, I, it was right before the parade, and my mom like no. walked me out. I was like sopping wet, 
And she was like, by the way, your toilet is broken because we had to get to the parade. And then we had to stay there and they gave me a bunch of coupons. And then like they bought me a bunch coupons. of clothes, of, like, Disney clothes to <laughs> Thank wear because I was all wet. So so it, it came like the, everything. I, I would like never poop hurricane. again. Like a geyser. <laughs> yeah. Would... Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god! I, I did well, you have like toilet I mean, monster dreams? You know how like those? I don't think it like super affected like, me. Yeah, well, well, yours sounds more physiological. Like, you, so you don't have just in terms of like, let's say you were to go to a um a doctor's appointment and and there's one bath, there's a single stall bathroom. Would you go number with the lock? Would you go number two in there? Oh, I'd go number two anywhere. Anywhere. That's same with yeah, same with Kate. Probably go like behind a bush. <laughs> Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Wow. I envy you. I mean, I, I really <laughs> admire that because I have, I guess, shame from it. So I, I guess what I what precipitated this was I, I was proud of myself because you have a single uh, single bathroom here. I yeah. mean, meaning like there's just one toilet in the, in on the, the floor. room. On the floor. Yeah. It's a community bathroom. And I, and I use it. <laughs> and normally, I think this is one of the first times I've, I've used that. I, I, I will avoid that situation because, I, because of shame, I guess. But I... I had to use it because I know I also knew we'd be talking, and if and if I didn't get it out, I'd be thinking well, about it ornery. and, and talking moment. about it, which is yeah. which we are anyway. So. I'm glad we could help you get over that hurdle. I am too. I'm I'm I appreciate it. Um, but I it, I don't know where I'm wondering where it comes from. I I do remember. Um, well, yours is pretty clear. I mean, if, if I had a toilet explode, I would be <laughs> I, I I I would know that that was it. But I think I I I I know I um. I was afraid of using the toilet in, in school and in kindergarten. I uh, we I thought it was a half day, so I thought my parents were going to come pick me up, and I ended up. We were at recess, and I and I learned at recess that it, it wasn't a half day, and so I had calculated. My, you know when you you know your brain your brain doesn't connect to your bowels. It's like your brain gives you just enough time to to clench because like I I think the sphincter is a really incredible. The sphincter. I remember somebody said. It doesn't get enough credit as a <laughs> as a part of your body for like keeping things at bay, you know. Just like whoa, 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 whoa. just just take it like you stay, and it's just this one muscle that's doing it that's keeping us from like completely complete embarrassment, embarrassment yeah, all the time at any given moment. And so it's holding it together. And at that point, my sphincter, as as much work as it had done, it was like, sorry, I I, I gave you an I gave you a half hour of clenching, and that's all I have. And so I just let it go and. I, it's one of my earliest childhood memories. I was probably five and I could, I can remember the f sensation of it seeping down my legs. I had overalls on, I had Oshkosh Bagosh. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and the next period was uh, story time. And so I thought, oh, well, fuck, I got to just ride this out. I got to, there's nothing, I, I have it. It's coming, going to my Spider-Man shoes. I, but, you know, hopefully it won't get on the floor and I can just, I can just ride it out. And you're and, too afraid to tell anyone? Uh, yes. Too much shame. But no one noticed? No one so, smelled it, <laughs> and so it was warmer in September, and um, it was a warm day. I should have just said that. And the, and so story time. I made it through story time. Then it was nap uh, nap time. So we all went on our cots, and I remember, oh, no. I remember thinking I was staring at the the clock, the the clock on the wall. I was just staring, hoping, just willing it to go to three o'clock, and and thinking, oh, I think I got away with with this. You know, no one noticed. No one, none of the kids noticed. And and the teacher, she was so sweet, Mrs. Humphrey. She she came over to me. She got, got all the way up from her desk and walked over to me. And she said. Honey, um, do you need to use? Do you need to go to the nurse? She, that's what she said. Do you need to see the nurse? And I said, and I pretended to sleep. I remember pretending to sleep. I remember being like, well, probably really poorly, you know, really like, what yeah. was it? Your first yeah, just in the thespian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, what? Um, 
And I was like, uh, no, why would I? Why? No, I'm okay. Why would I need that? You know? And she was like, okay. And she went back to her desk and I thought, Whew, I, I, got, I dodged that bullet. Um, she's, she's none the wiser. I played it off perfectly. And then she, a couple minutes went by. It must have, and she got back up. She went back over to me and she said, honey, and a little bit more sternly, you know, like a little bit more forcefully, I really think you should go to the nurse. And I just burst into tears, you know, because the jig was up. And, and so I went and my dad, had to, it was a whole thing. My dad had to come with a plastic bag and put my <laughs> shameful, like soiled Put clothes. you in the bag. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a hazmat suit. Um, Is that a kid in there? Lice, yeah, de-louse me. Yeah. Like a prison. Hose you like off. First day yeah. in prison. But, but I think it was, I think that must have. That's might have been hugely traumatic. I think it was. I, mean, I know. I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. it 40 years later. <laughs> I used to pee my pants a lot, you know, like I have a very vivid memory of peeing. I, I would mm. get excited and laugh and I'd pee. Oh, that's and a nice I, way. To... I remember like, I, I have a vivid memory of like, that's a nice, I remember being at the roller skating rink and peeing my pants. But, but, but completely just you? a little pee or just fully like letting go? I mean, it was enough to make so, the pants wet. Yeah. Five or six. Oh. So you well, were rollerblading, remember... but you couldn't hold your pee? He was excited. He was laughing. All right. Now I you're think judging. It would be harder I, to I, I hold to, your people. I, I remember. Later. I have this vivid memory of like hiding behind the 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 rabbit cage. There we had a, like a little rabbit outdoor rabbit oh. cage, and I in your and, house a hutch outdoor. Yeah. And 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 I peed my pants, and my sister like would tell on me, and I would be hiding behind the rabbit cage. Oh. Yeah. And I was a bit of a bed. Uh, yeah, more of a not a day, not even a bedwetter. I was a daytime uh, pants peer. Yeah, a, a, a day wetter. I would just get really, <laughs> I would get really excited and, and you'd wet anytime. I think it was because I'd be like I'd be too. I wouldn't go in and go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I would just be having too much fun and what? I'd hold it and then someone would like, it's like make me laugh. Like little kids at pools, you're like, no, you yeah. have to go. Yes, like, and then I would like, and, like the pee my pants. you can always like as someone who like watches a lot of kids, you could always tell. Like oh, I know they're, they're like little bouncy, fidgeting. Yeah. They're yeah. little like they that was can't. me. And I'm yeah. like, please, like yeah. I will pause <laughs> yes, the game. Like well, go pee. My nep my nephew, it's, it makes me smile so so big because he doesn't like. I can tell he has to go, and his parents will say like. Do, do you do you want to go and, and like no, no and he avoids it i think because he's having fun mm -hmm. playing and he just i, I don't quite re remember Such an that. inconvenience you it's have an to go pee yeah, at the time, you know? uh, yeah. okay <laughs> pull my pants down do it. i also love that they have the kids have no shame you know i rem i kind of remember that i was talking to my brother my, I, I do the podcast with my brother and we, we um we've been doing two now so we do one on friday called life is shorter and it's just the two of us talking it's so fun we're just I don't know if it's fun for other people, but it's fun for us. <laughs> we're just hanging out and we were talking about um, how we used to play. Did you do this with your brothers? Like play swords? Yeah. Yeah. You pee together. You pee. Well, I didn't do, well, I did it with more, I guess my friends because my oh. brothers were too younger, too much younger than me. So like in first and second grade, I remember doing that with friends at school. Yeah. And there was, yeah. but there was no like. How far could you <clears throat> back up from the stall? Yeah, sure. You yeah. got to get a nice arc. Yeah. You have to get. <laughs> we would play that game. Well, sometimes when I was a younger man, uh, you'd wake up with a in a certain state uh in terms of at attention yes yeah. at attention and and um and you'd have to <laughs> you'd have to do that again you'd have to like i remember thinking i wish i'd studied more in, in geometry i wish i knew more about like um you know in art like an arc and how to really measure the distance <laughs> yeah, like sine cosine, cosine yes <laughs> all this sort of, i can't even talk about it appropriately because i don't know the terminology but there was no shame you know we'd be peeing and christian said i don't remember ever really looking at your penis like we were talking about this because in ecuador i went to ecuador i noticed that there weren't stalls on the urinals it was just um they were all just kind of open it was and like a sink 
Uh, it wasn't a trough. Those I struggled with the troughs. Yeah, like a, <laughs> at, like, a, 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 like a Wrigley Field, I think they have. Yeah, like, yeah. troughs, yeah. Um, that's rough. There's one in yeah, City Field. Mets. You're, you're a Cubs fan? I'm a Brewer fan, actually. Bre- oh, that's right. That yeah. makes sense. But but there was no... And, and I, I, he, Christian said, well, maybe they just trust people to not be creepy and like look and, you know, to... to get. But, but I said, there's no... And he said, well, I said, well, why would you not want to look? I mean, like, what is the harm in just noticing... I mean, by accident, not stare. I said, there's... If you don't ogle it, if you just stare at a penis. And he said, ah, penises are... <laughs> He had a funny take on it. He said, I don't know if I just want to, they're just strange. I don't know. They're just like pink and kind of like sad looking and strange, like a baby marsupial kind of. Um, I had this friend in college that would, if he would it's not come, appealing. come into a public bathroom, yeah, it was busy. And if we were peeing next to each other, he would like make a scene. He would like deliberately look over and pretend he didn't know me and like say very loudly. And he's like, that's a really beautiful cock. And <laughs> just to try to get a reaction out of everyone around him. It was kind of funny. We would. In, in what grade? Oh, like college. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. I wonder if he turned out to be, do you, do you know what happened to him? Yeah. I mean, he's living. He's a very successful uh, consultant. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder because I, I mean, it's not, I don't know if it compares to this, but I, I knew a kid in high school who um would do really daring, but like sexual things. It, I went to an all boys school, a prep, Catholic prep school. And, um, and he, he, he masturbated to completion in the back of the class. That was kind of like his, for a while, claim Did to fame. Did everyone know about oh, this? Oh yeah, yeah. The he difference t- between an all girl school and an all boys school, <laughs> the all boys school was terrifying. Oh, like it was not pleasant to walk I, through. But then the teachers find out about this? Um, I don't think they did. I think he did it. He was able to do it because we had some teachers who were a little tuned out. Like I had a Latin teacher. God bless him. He was so sweet, but he was kind of it all. He would talk like this. He was sort of like, um, who did he sound like? A, a little bit like Robert Evans. Remember Robert Evans, uh, the producer, but he kind of, he taught Latin and he would talk, he would just read out of a book like this. He looked like an old owl and he would just, uh, and, uh, the, the first declension is a, a, or a, you know, and. And all the kids, because he was looking down most of the time, is me. And we used to do a thing where we would just inch our our desks up little <laughs> by little. Until we were like, when he'd look back up, we'd be right in front of him. And he'd go, that's why Cicero was, all right, what's going on? And we were like <laughs> inches away from him. We were all just crowded in. And he would go, oh, all right, I'm calling the dean. But he didn't want to call. We knew he didn't. This is also a lesson in parenting. Because. We knew his intention was, and he never would call the dean, but he'd, he'd walk all the way across the room to the phone to like, I'm going to do it. And then we'd quickly move our desk back and he'd pick up the phone and he'd go, all right. He'd see that we had moved back. He'd go, all right. But anyway, my point is we had teachers who weren't totally um So aware, you were all present. scooching closer. He was just- Just reading. Uh, masturbating but, in the back? Well, I don't know if that was in Latin class, but there were teachers who were a little t- tuned out and, and I, he must've done it when in one of those classes. He also- I mean, this is disgusting. But that guy, uh, the reason I mentioned it is I'm like, well, what, where is he now? He, be- he became a, uh, like a Hollywood executive. Yeah. That he, feels he, fitting. Yeah. He became like a, um, and, and I really, I, I know this sounds like, I like him a lot. He was, uh, he, I, I had a meeting with him in, in, I don't know if he still is, but this was a couple, this is maybe 10, 10 years ago. I had a meeting and like in a position of like a high position. And he said to me, and we caught up a little bit before and he goes, or maybe it was after, but I remember him being relieved and he said, he was like, thanks, but kind of like, thanks for 
Because in the meeting, I was like, they were like, oh, yeah, you guys what, you guys knew each other back then. And he, did he have like almost a terrified uh, yes, feeling? Yes, like, yes. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, I hope he doesn't say yeah. those things because I'm sure he had some, sh- which, which is a good sign that he had some shame about it. But, but I guess we all did, you know, I guess we all did crazy shit back in the day. Not like that. I never masturbated yeah. in class. But uh, yeah, but he, had, he did have shame about it. Yeah, Why, but we did some weird things in high school. We did some I never masturbated in class, that's for sure. But there were... Th- yeah, there were, we were. There's a lot of self exploration. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> were weird for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, and and again, if I had known that that I I wonder how different my sexual journey would have been if so, if I had felt comfortable like if if I'd felt like that wasn't shameful. You know, I don't think I'd be masturbating in class, but maybe you know, maybe there's there's a little bit of shame that's good. Maybe that's the lesson. Yeah, like how do you tell a kid? Let's say. Hypothetically, you have a kid. You and Natalie have a kid, and and they're they're in school. They find the teacher says, you know, little um, little Lewis has been p- p- pulling down. He's Lewis Vial. Lewis Vial. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, what would it be? Uh, uh, Vern. Vern Vial has been <laughs> pulling down like the other kids, like girls' pants, and like you know, because he's ex- expressing. Oh, God, I'd and be you could say, well, but but he'd be expressing. Would that be, it's just like a sexual curiosity. What would you say to Vern? Put me on the spot. Well, because Kay and I were talking about this. We were curious about like a, a, a hypothetical like that. Because I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't, neither of us knew what to say. What, I, and we would have to know, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want our kid to be around that age and not be prepared for it. I don't want the like, because yeah. like your dad had to have the talk with you be, because somebody preempted sure. it. Sure. I guess like, my first thought when you asked me, it was just like, uh... Well, I mean, who wouldn't want their pants pulled down? And so uh-huh. how do you keep, teach your kid empathy? Okay, I'm your kid. I'm your yeah. kid. And, and you, you've just been told this by the parents. Hey, hey, Dad. Um, so what were you thinking, Vern? So what well, was on your I mind? Just, well, I, ju- I just wanted to like, see what was on your, their pants. Okay. Did you ask for their permission? N- no. Okay. Well, but why do I have to? I don't have to ask permission to, to touch my own parts. Well, that's because it's your body. Oh. And... And, and, but if I, so I should ask permission next time? Well, for starters, yeah. Okay. I mean, but, but generally speaking, there's a girl I really like, you her name's Samantha. You, I'm, I, so I'll just ask her if I can. T- yeah, but it's, just, it's not very respectful. Yeah. What, I, what, I, yeah. Why isn't it respectful? I feel like I'm doing this all <laughs> I know. wrong. I know. Well, well, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I, parenting is hard. I, <laughs> we might need to get some you, books. <laughs> you got some time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just, yeah, you're, you're so right, though, because in that moment, I would be, probably mortified, embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And but the assumption is the kid doesn't know better. He just right. did that. He didn't act yeah. without realizing what he was doing. You don't want to create weirdness around that. Yeah. Undo so weirdness. So how do you... How do you ride that? How line? do you teach them about... I don't know. I do remember my parents. Like I remember my mom especially. It was really important for her to teach us that like our bodies were sacred and oh. we had to protect them. And yeah. How and did she do that? She kind of just told us that, huh. you know, you know, with a, I had, I had a sister older and a sister younger. So I was a, you know, young boy and my own sister. So she was very careful about us, you know, being respectful of our bodies around each other and, mm. and shit like that. And, and oh, so right. I, I always just kind of had a, you know, a, just a, a modesty. And maybe that was a kind of our Christian upbringing, you know, teaching yeah. us modesty. I guess that's not a bad and, thing. And, and things like that. And, you well, know, had older think, sisters. You yeah, had one older like sister. Yeah, because it's like these kids, some of them are, are so innocent, you have no idea. But yeah. like, I also know, I remember a story of a girl in like first grade 
And another guy, a boy who was in first grade, went up to her in a hallway, like grabbed her butt and said, mm, that's nice. So I'm like, OK, well, that Whoa. was learned somewhere totally. that was either heard yeah. or seen right. either at home or on TV. Like, so then with that kid, what do you say? Because it's, exactly. it's not it can't be I too think, late. They're still malleable. I, mean. I yeah. feel like it comes down to the difference between like shame and guilt, where guilt yeah. is like feeling uh. bad about an action that you've done. And shame is feeling like you are bad as a person and oh, broken. And I think point. saying like this, act, like really helping a kid, explaining why an action is bad and then aligning how like. I see you as someone who is very respectful of your friends. I see right. you as someone who shares. I see you as someone who makes people feel comfortable and happy. And this choice like made be and like kind of framing that choice as being like really outside of their identity. So that way it's kind of like. That's what I've that's kind of what I was not as eloquently trying to touch on earlier about. Like you're not bad. Right. This right. choice was something we should look at and, and improve on. I also totally. like want to make sure I keep, I want to make sure my like if I have kids with Nally. Now I'm yeah. I'm six two. Nally is five ten. Her dad's mm. six five and is oh, the runt shit. of the litter. Her her Whoa. uncle's seven foot. I oh suspect my God. Now my dad's only five eight though. So there's potential. But huh. I suspect we might have good sized yes, kids. Yeah. And so I just I want my kid to be a protector of other kids. Right. Like I you know, mm -hmm. I don't want and I remember I, I've always had this like guilty feeling at times growing up. I was, you know, and I, I was bullied at times in middle mm -hmm. school, but I also remember times where I saw other kids being bullied and didn't do anything about it. Oh, Nick. And I, and I, and I have this sense <laughs> yes. of guilt and I want to, I, if I am lucky enough to have kids, I want, I hope that my kid stands up for other kids in need. Yes. It's something I've thought a lot about. There's, you would love this. There's an essay by this writer, George Saunders, who wrote like, Pastoralia, and, and he's just a great writer, but he wrote, it was the commencement speech for, I think, Rutgers University, and he talks about just that, his, his regret, like, because he's addressing this class of college kids, and, and I thought it was such a good opportunity to impart that kind of wisdom. What are the things you, you and he said, the, 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 he'd said that, the regret he has is not um, his failure to act when he could have, like, stood yeah. up, for, and I think about that often, and I'm going to brag about my wife for a second, one of the many things I love about her. And, and I remember learning this about her early on was that she is, um, she's such a kind person, but she's also very brave. And, and, and I say that because to stand up for kids when you're, when you're young, when you're going through, when you're being socialized and you're in school, it requires real courage to, to do that. She told, she's, she'll be embarrassed that I'm telling these stories, but she, um, Two things. One time saw like that a girl wasn't one of her classmates wasn't being invited to a sleepover. The popular girl had invited Kate and a bunch of girls in front of this other girl. And, and Kate said, oh, I, I it's noticed, recognized that. So clocked the girl's sadness and said, you know what? I'm actually having told her, like, I'm going to have a sleepover. I had a sleepover with that girl and some other girls who weren't invited just so they would be included. And, and like, See, I, that's could, awesome. oh, I could cry thinking about it. And she yeah. did this during a time where it's to your point, like I fantasize about, you know, if I were to go back and do things differently and if I, I would stand up for those kids, I, 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 I remember them by name and I remember like instances where I was just silent. I didn't pick on the kids, but I didn't say didn't anything, do anything, you know, yeah. and another instance with Kate where she was, um, like a, a boy who was neuroatypical, who was, um, uh, disabled, was asking some of the girls to go to the dance with him at a, at a, at a football game or something and they were all turning him down you know in in varying degrees of politeness no I, that's sweet of you but i 
and and Kate marched over to him and and said, "I would love to go to the prom with you," you know, and and went to like her school dance with this, you know, did the whole thing and 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 these were stories that I learned like gradually over time. She wasn't like bragging about it, but but they speak to her a character, her character, yeah. t- t- totally. That's that's incredible. I, I how yeah, she's how do you incredible. what does she attribute that to? Because I do you think that. that's like. Kind of, like it's something she's born with is it parenting that you know her parents could speak to because that I, that that is an incredible story uh, uh, yeah because i think more people are like you and i totally to 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 have the regret and and to be old enough or mature enough to say i i wasn't brave enough well because it, i was more concerned about fitting in and i was more worried about you know, myself yeah. rather than someone else when I had no reason to be. And there are other people uh-huh. who, who needed that. Mm. And, and then, and to realize, and then the self-awareness to think about the times where you might've been bullied or picked on realizing it, it wasn't a fraction as bad as some other people who experienced it oh, yet. Yeah. And, and, and the trauma that we bring forward, you know, with the bullying that like we, we experienced yeah. and you can, and then you have this kind of like, holy shit, I mean, if, and, and then you realize just how pivotal those moments could have been. And would have been for those people that you would have helped that she in those moments actually did. Yes, and I, I there, there's she sent me a clip recently that that just made me weep. It was it was about um in Japan they teach uh, they teach kindness to others to when, when they're kids they teach how to share and and um how to kids will stand up they they show them there's the footage of kids like offering their own seat to other kids and and. You know, there's they 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 teach an awareness of others, which um, I I saw that in Ecuador. In Ecuador, there was you know there's this main city of Quito. There's um there's a real hustle and bustle, but everyone is kind of like in, in a flow with each other. They're not beeping or yelling at each other. Everyone's kind of playing. Very few people on their phones. It it was I saw that. I see that when I travel usually, and um I love seeing it. But I don't know how you cultivate it early. I don't know how Kate is I know that her mother is very kind and loving and I think she just had because I'd ask her about it where it came from and I think she just has a real sense of in injustice and 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 a kindness she is I don't know she's got a real like compassion early on I would make some I found myself making some snarky jokes and I I, I recognized them as snarky only because she they were some of the very few things she didn't laugh at you know and she and and I had to, I examined them and I, and I, and I found that they had like a kernel of meanness in them. And that was her cutoff. That's where we kind of like diverted, diverged from one another was mm. that we, we, our sense of humor is so, we're very similar, but, but I found that I had a little bit more of a gossipiness or a snarkiness and, and I, I recognized it only because of her um, silence, you know? And and she wouldn't judge me. Uh, there'd be times where she'd be like, huh. I would examine it because it was a point of fracture in our, and I, I consider her such a great barometer of what is funny. <laughs> she would almost like that kind of observant parent almost where she would not huh. criticize be, you, but just go, hmm. Yeah. There would just be like a, yeah. I had a boss yeah. who would every time I would, I, he would just say, hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, and I would know uh, that I I needed to make line. an adjustment. That's funny. you know, or something. He would not necessarily. He'd just go. Hmm. I like that way of of, of setting boundaries. It, it was. A, it, it, I guess if nothing else, it was an opportunity for me to see if I could self correct. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and what a gift. Yeah. Instead of like someone 
come, it gets back to what we were talking about earlier. If you, if she were to have shamed me, she would have said, oh, you know, I think that's really fucking mean. And you should examine that. There'd be, I know I would probably. You'd be like, why is that mean? What are you talking I'd become about? defensive. Yeah. yeah. And, and not learn, not grow. Sounds yeah. like she's going to be a great parent someday. Ah, uh, she's going to be the best. What's your yeah. favorite thing about your relationship? Do you know, we were, I, I, I thought, what, what do I distill a relationship? We were thinking about this because, um, why was I thinking about this? That I can distill it down to just enjoying, just loving being around her. I, I've, I've neglected some friendships lately because, um, and I've been examining that. I read this great book to call, uh, by Dr. Marissa Franco, wrote a book called Platonic, which is all about platonic friendships and the importance of them and how we we place a, lo- a less of an importance on them uh just because of a i don't know social hierarchy of what you know love is supposed to be and like and so I, i've been ex- trying to examine some of them and i found that i've been wondering why i haven't been as active in those friendships and i <laughs> i think this is going to sound insulting to my friends I, I love them but i i just love being with her so much so that when, when we are together i i i don't it's hard to imagine doing other things you know i like i just like being around her so um but why i think it's because we just um i i value i value humor i value comedy i value um uh introspection and and curiosity things like that and and she i i i love doing those things with her you know i just love her brain and and um and her body uh but i love i just feel really safe with her you know I love that word. Yeah. Safe. I mean, it's, it's even, it's even bled into like, I feel, yeah, safety is, I I never really understood the importance of that. It it always just felt like a, a, a word that people throw around, an idea that people throw around kind of like an, a, an abstract thing that I don't know. I never really, because I think I never truly had it, you know, I'm still close with a lot of exes and, and, uh, most of my exes and, and, um, so I, I really, and I have so much love for them, um, all of them. But uh, she said to me once, like, you know, because we had a moment of like, I, I don't know, a point of where I wasn't examining something that I should have been. And I was being defensive, being, being really reactive. I forget what it was. Um, it was early on. And she said, and she said it without any judgment, um, which is important. She said, have you ever been in like a real loving reciprocal relationship you know like a real relationship and i was like and i was 40 well i was no i'm sorry i was 43 and i was like and my instinct was to say yeah i have fuck you like you know i'm I'm a grown man i'm a middle-aged man but i i I did think about it really because of the way she asked it because because i i and i and i i I don't know if i had truly yeah uh it's an interesting question because you i think yeah young love i think you I don't know if you really, I, I would use the word safe often when describing my relationship with Natalie, because, and I never, you're right, that, that word was not something I would uh, use because it was just. I, I like the it, danger it, too. I like the like, uh, I don't know if I'm, you know. Yeah, well, because I, I think young love or my relationships early before, you know, 40, I guess it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was less of a partnership. It was less of teammates. It was right. you. I, I still felt like an individual. Yes, dating some another individual because you know a lot, lot more fighting or just conflict. And yes, it was as easy to trigger your partner, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're fighting for the sake of fighting as opposed to like feeling disconnect. Like now, when Nally and I fight, 
there's more of a, it doesn't feel like we're fighting. It feels like we're disconnected. Yes. That's a, not, not aligned. I like yeah. using that word. And so, you know, and then I, and I learned this and we, something we, we, I learned this in therapy and something we uh-huh. incorporate is like, if after 10 minutes we're still fighting about the same thing and uh-huh. we're, we're repeating our arguments, yeah. one of us will just say, like literally just call a timeout uh-huh. and just say, well, well you got to table this because that's when you are, you're, you're. You're you're ch- you're fighting. You're in your child's totally state. emotional. So it's yes. all emotional. You're mm-hmm. you're 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 fighting for the sake of fighting. And as frustrating as it is to have the other person call the time out because it feels like oh, but you, I got more to say. You feel a bit stonewalled a little bit, but yeah. we know the intent. And then one of us, usually the person who calls the time out, is the one who like comes over to the other person and kind of says like, "I love you," and uh-huh. and and know that you're still mad, but like you both kind of agree to like. Well, we're going to circle back to this maybe tomorrow, maybe another day, but like, and then it's, it really does help because totally. I remember so many yeah. fights that I've had with past partners and it would last 45 minutes, mm. 90 minutes. And you don't, you know, you know, you're arguing about, well, you talk in circles that's and, the but you're just trying to win. Yes. And then it becomes about childhood stuff. So it's like, yeah. I, I, I love examining that stuff. I don't know that I was ever c- committed. I don't mean like in terms of not be being being faithful in terms of like sexually like i could commit to to those to that i could i could do that but i always i didn't i never felt free i, I didn't feel to i always felt like um uh in, when i was in a relationship i always felt like that was what scared me about commitment because commitment to me was synonymous with not being free was losing some kind of freedom and now i i i actually i feel more <laughs> that's cheesy i feel as free as I've ever felt alone because of the safety that this person like offers, because there's no judgment. There's no, I can, I know I can mess up and, and, and not be um, discarded or, you know, not be uh, in trouble. I'm curious, I'm curious about that, how best to communicate, how best to, uh, to, to move forward in an argument. And, and I think that's helped me a lot is a three second rule. I I've implemented this three second rule. So I, I do it in traffic. So to avoid reactivity. So I'll, I'll, I'll literally like count in my head th- three seconds and, and it's made a world of difference. Really? Uh, so you feel triggered and uh, you I want wanna... self-awareness to go one, two, three. And Fuck it, you, asshole. It no, changes it everything. No, it does. Think yeah. about it. it try it next time. It's not always easy and I, I don't always succeed, but, but um, it, it, it really, because to your point, like you get to the point where you don't know what you're arguing about and it's, or when you're really reactive about whatever and you have a outburst and yes. then you feel that you feel like shame. Oh. You're just like, fuck. I, was, I, like, I have, I, like I have the, I had the right to be mad, but I did not have the right to do that. Yes. Yeah. I, I that's one of the reasons I like watching reality TV. Cause I, I see these fights happen. I've been watching the ultimatum. Do you watch the ultimatum? Yeah. We oh, haven't gotten into the queer. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to watch. I've been so bogged down with Vanderpump, but are you watching <laughs> so the queer? Good. We you just watch- started the queer. The you, you just started queer ultimatum. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. But it's, you see where a lot of these, they're actually a lot better. I don't know what that says. I don't want to make a stereotype queer people versus straight people, but they seem a lot healthier the, the, in terms of their communication skills uh on on this season yeah because i think there's not like like scripts or like kind of autofill settings like i think being socialized in like a very like heterosexual heteronormative world all that stuff like you have just like all these presets or like at least from my experience like starting to date women it was like oh wow all these like presets i didn't realize existed actually aren't applicable here because we don't have these like gender roles or these scripts to fall back on and so because of that you're like 
not doing autofill settings, you're going through and customizing. And so I think there's just inherently a bit more like thoughtfulness and like consideration. And is it because it's, are we, are we, I do also think there's a level just... of like, well, I think, yeah, especially like other queer women. Like, I think I just really connect with them just in terms of being like, oh, we've probably had certain parallels of like, ex- like lived experiences yes, yeah. and like moving through the world in certain ways and being treated certain ways and having reactions to that. And so I think there's maybe like a little bit of like that, like you come at it from maybe more of a place of like a shared reference point. Now, do, do you think in general, because I wonder ha- now having having been in like a very healthy, safe relationship where where like proposing to somebody was not even, there was no struggle. There was no, it was, it just felt like such a fluid, natural thing. It just felt like an obvious like breathing. I'm going to take my next breath. I'm going to take my next breath with this person. But people who are reluctant to marry, which is what the show is about. There's, you know, why, if, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's um, one person, one member of a couple gives the other one an ultimatum, either marry or we break up. And, and it's then they're, then they have to spend three weeks with another person. But I think in general, I, I struggle with the premise because ha- having now gone through it, if, if somebody is not willing if someone's willing to go on a show called the ultimatum because they're so reluctant to marry can you ever get past that i mean yeah i don't you know what i mean does does that make sense that if how do you convince somebody to 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 marry marriage to me seems like if you're going to make that lifelong commitment it's got to be people say like oh it's hard you know it's a struggle and i i don't know that it should be a struggle i don't know that's not, that's something i can struggle with like a dis, it if it becomes like a real decision, should I ask or should we do this? You know, it it seems I agree with you, except that I think the times have changed. Yeah. Because like back 20, 30 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. our parents, you know, there's much that, more traditional that playbook. You, know, you go to college, yeah. high yeah. school, whatever. You meet someone in your early 20s and you're in love. That's you get married. Yeah. And now we're everyone's dating hookup culture, everyone's settling down later in life, everyone's like, take your time, yeah. yada, yada. And and with the indoctrination of dating apps, hookup culture, and just waiting in general, now the idea of the pressures of perfection, I think, are, are have never been stronger when it comes hmm. to finding relationships. But maybe that's not necessarily bad. I don't think that's... Not necessarily bad, but I think, um, I think it's... It be I think then I guess in my mind it seems more acceptable or at least I understand why more people might be like ah, like I love you but like are we ready I don't know marriage it seems so like permanent and things I see like what that you're saying. and it's just more I think I I guess what I'm saying is like the what you mentioned it's like well I don't want to ever have to convince someone to propose to yeah. me and things like that and I think back in the day there were so many people who got engaged and it seemed you know and and no one was, you know, seemingly convinced to do it. But when you think about it, it was society convinced them? Yeah, and sure. For, for the, you know, it was this life convinced them. This is, I'm, I'm, uh, of course. Now, how many things did we do in our twenties? But because, like, I'm doing this because I, I I'm supposed to. Yeah, I, oh, sure. I should do this. Yeah. You know, like any girlfriend I had in my twenties, where we dated for over a year, I'm like, I guess I should start thinking about proposing to you. Yeah, you know, that's and I, true. I had no self awareness of like. <laughs> Us, if we were happy, isn't that you know, funny? Or, or well, that, like that. that is funny. You lose sight of like the 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 real basic stuff. Yeah. So but, I think now, I yeah, I don't, I don't. You ever want to have to convince someone to do that? But I, I think dating culture now is is unfortunately uh, again that 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 pressure of perfection and making sure that you know 
you know everything about someone. And it's such a fine line between taking your time and getting to know someone and then realizing like forever is just, it, you're, you're making a bet. You are making a bet on someone. That's and, true. That yeah. is true. And I, but I, I feel lucky that I waited. For example, like I, I'm lucky that I live in a culture like we have now. That, oh yeah. That there was not that, you know, my parents are Catholic and so of course they, they were putting pressure on, but not enough. It wasn't, it wasn't, they're my parents and I was like a grown, grown up. And so I didn't feel enough pressure to like acquiesce to their wishes, you know, and like <laughs> marry the first you know person that I, I, I had been with for a while. So I, I am glad I waited and I, and I knew, and I was single for a while. I, I'm glad I like spent three years being really single and, I, and, and recognizing that I was happy on my own and, and I didn't feel this pressure to, of course I wanted kids and all that stuff, but I, I had been in enough unhealthy relationships. Um, to know that, that, uh, to, to, to take that pressure off of, I, like, I didn't want to be just in a relationship to be in one, you know? Yeah. Again, I was, I, I thought I'm never going to do that. Okay. And I call them never again. you know, like we, we look back on relationships we've had and kind of compare notes and think, and, I, and there's so, so many things that it's not shame, but I think had I known the things I know now, I would have spent less time in some of them, you know, and, 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 and I'm glad I learned them and they're, and they're real pillars now of, of things that I, I, I I won't uh, t tolerate and I won't, you know, tolerate in my life, like in, in any relationship. But I think it took being in a lot of things, being in different ones and, and being on my own for a while to, to know that for sure. So I think, um, I, guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is if you have doubts, if you're struggling, I, I, I think that's the answer is that then you should go, you should try to find, because the, it should be, I think, a no-brainer. I don't think it should be a str and maybe this is just very personal. Like it, it wasn't a struggle for me. Yeah. Once I found, once it was like that's, and I, and I would hear that for years. Like when you know, you know, and and it really was like that in my experience. I just don't know if everyone. I don't. I, I agree with you because I. I, I don't mean, want to sound superior. We're similar in that sense where we waited so long that mm -hmm. like I've I was at a different state of maturity and emotional like un, you know self awareness. Yeah. But, I don't know if we, uh, everyone can have that luxury. You of know, just, of, of the knowing. Of just, or just being that, part of it is, you know, for me, I, I became single in my 30s mm -hmm. and had that kind of, self, then the self-confidence to not feel that, in my 20s, I had this pressure of always needing to have somebody. Mm -hmm. And then in mm -hmm. my 30s, I didn't feel that pressure, which allowed me to stay basically single throughout my 30s. Yeah. I don't want to be with someone for the sake of being someone. Yeah. And then I could be patient to find the right person. And then when you, when you met Natalie, like was, did it, was there a moment like that? Was there a moment? Cause I had a moment and, and it was, we were friends. We, nothing, we hadn't touched. We hadn't, it, it was, but it was a moment of knowing of like real conviction. And it was very soon in where I, where I thought, well, this is somebody I'm going to like love in some capacity for the rest of my life. I'm going to think about your answer. And then we're going to do our great. caller. Oh, great. And then I'm going to answer your question after okay. our caller. Okay, great. So great. time for, is it texting office hour? What do we set it up, Amanda? Yeah, it's well, like a, it's, it's sort of a mediation, but I would say text. We do have a text. We have some primary sources to okay. go off of. So oh. in that way, texting office hour. It's a meaty hours. call, Justin. Oh, Gosh, good. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. How's it going? Hello. Uh, my name is Sarah and I'm 29. And I'm Mark, 32. Okay, and how can we help? Well, since an argument I had with my brother-in-law, his brother in March, he's been ghosting me and not talking to me. Uh -huh. So he's completely shut you out. Yes, it would appear so. What's, what's the backstory? Well, 
he was over here um, back in March after dinner. We were just kind of talking and he mentioned, he started to bring up his girlfriend that he had broken up with. And I kind of get uncomfortable every time he talks about her. And because it's a relationship that's been over for a while and he keeps bringing her back up. Long story short, um, it got to a point in the conversation where he said, um, from your perspective, what could I have done better in that relationship? Mm. And I said, well, you've asked me this question before and you don't seem to like my answer. Is there another question that you want to ask me? And he just kind of, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it felt like he was kind of talking in circles a little bit. And then eventually was like, I've just done so much improvement and I've really worked on myself and I'm in a way better place now. And so I kind of challenged it and said, are you sure? Like, are you really? Because you're still here six months later asking me the same question. And he didn't like that. And so he said, I think I need to leave. And he got up and left. Um, And then after that, I went in because my husband was inside. And so I went in and I asked or I told him kind of like what happened, gave a breakdown of the conversation. And he said, well, it sounds like you were probably being a little too pushy. And so I ended up sending him, my brother-in-law, like a long apology text being like, I'm so sorry. Is that what we have here? Why don't we have Justin read it? Yeah, I'd love to. I can do. Uh, So Justin's going to do a dramatic reading. So this will be, this is, I'm not going to try to do your voice, Sarah, because I'm not, I love doing impressions, but, um. (laughs) I, I, it's hard for me to do women, female voices, unless they're kind of closer to my range. So I just need a little disclaimer like to everyone me. listening. <laughs> um, uh, I want you to know I'm sorry and I love you. No, no, that's uh, my bad, Sean Connery. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to read it. This is no, no more joking. Although I'm tempted to read it like Christopher Walken, I'm just going to read it like myself. I want you to know I'm sorry and I love you. Mark tells me that I push too much, and after talking with him, I realized that I did that to you. I know you've been through so much, and I never want you to feel like you can't tell me things. I just know you've made so much progress, and when you asked me that question again, it reminded me of where you were several months ago, and I kind of panicked and didn't know what to do, so I just got pushy instead of listening to you and supporting you, and that was wrong. I should have been more supportive and done more listening instead of talking. I'm so sorry. I love you. Heart emoji. Another text. I also want you to know that there's no need to respond, but I will plan on giving you space until you let me know you are ready. I'm really so sorry. I love you. I want you to know you mean so much to me and our family. I I truly love you so much and only wish to support you. And I am so sorry my actions didn't display that tonight. I promise to learn from this experience and will do better in the future. Very nice text and no response, I'm assuming. No response. And then um, a couple months later, I sent a text inviting him to a family Easter and was like, hey, would you like to come? We'd be great to have you. Mm. And no response to that either. Mark, is he also ignoring you? Well, we don't really talk that much anyways. But oh. uh, I did see him the other day. Uh, I think it was two days ago. And just spoke with him briefly in person. Uh, but yeah, we have a, it's a fine relationship. No, no hard feelings with us. But it sounds like you and, and, and brother-in-law had a bit of a connection or a bond or you were like the go-to person he would talk to about some of his relationship problems? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I'm just naturally like a more chatty person. 
And so sometimes he would talk to me about things going on in his relationships or like if he was going to ask us a, a question, he would usually text both of us or like he would maybe even text me sometimes and say like, hey, will you ask Mark this or do you and Mark want to do this? He would oftentimes oh. go to like me first, but I'm also just more inclined to respond sure. faster in text too. <laughs> and, and what was the dilemma that he was going through that kind of triggered him? Um, he had this breakup um, that was I, just really hard for him. I think it was kind of, I don't know, I think it was pretty tough on him. I'll interject a little bit with that. It's He had a relationship. He was dating this girl for, I don't know, maybe approximately a half year to a year. I don't, maybe I should probably know the dates, but I don't. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and I guess it got a little tumultuous and they just kind of split up. It was just kind of a hard breakup and with no, no conclusion, no mm-hmm. explanations. I, I think that my brother wanted something uh, like to talk, to discuss like, yeah. what happened yeah. and why. This, this is sort of a foreign thing for me because I, I, I'm so close with my brother, both of my brothers. And so I sense a little, there's not that there's anything <laughs> dramatic between you two, Mark, uh, you and your brother, but it, 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 why... I guess, what is the reason for the, um, is there a disconnect between you and your brother that, uh, why aren't you guys all that? It doesn't sound like you're that close. No, I would say it's more of our upbringing. Uh It's hard to, it's kind of hard to describe why we wouldn't be close as far as more of maybe the relationship that we we had with our parents. Oh. That kind of caused us to be more reserved. uh, Would you like to be closer with him? Do you, do you aspire to, to more, a closer relationship with him? Yeah, I'll say yes. Yeah. yeah. But um, it almost, is it, when you say your upbringing, is it like, you, are you like almost close in your way that you're comfortable, but you're, but maybe less communicative in terms of like, you, there's things you just don't talk about? There are things that we just don't talk about, sure. There are also things that whenever we do talk about, um, I've been able to maybe verbalize a little bit better. Yeah. And whenever I try to have conversations with him about these types of things that are obviously impacting him today, uh, he kind of shuts down. And huh. I think that's kind of where we go back to uh, Sarah and, and his relationship and how he reacted to her kind of challenging him a little bit. So, um, so, so Mark, have you been tempted to reach out to him and just say, hey, listen, you two are very like the most important people to me, my, my wife and my brother. You know, I would love to understand the the point of disconnect between you and Sarah and I'm here, you know, have you had that, um, have you had that communication with him? Uh, I have not. And Sarah and I actually discussed this, uh, maybe the day after or within the week of, but ultimately me knowing my brother is just something that he won't be very receptive to. Why do you think that is? I mean, it just, it sounds like I, I, I asked that only because it sounds like he was being vulnerable with Sarah, which it sounds like that's a difficult thing for him to be to be vulnerable, which is maybe why he goes to Sarah instead of you, which is something to explore. But he was vulnerable and, and it sounds like he felt shut down. He felt shut down. And he got defense. Sounds like he got really defensive. And he's and we sh- I, I th- he shut down. We were talking about that earlier in the show we, we to protect ourselves. Something happened in our childhood. It's a defense mechanism. So his shutting down is the result of some probably childhood thing, but I'm, I'm wondering what caused him to shut down. And I wonder if it has something to do with him being vulnerable and then it not being reciprocated properly. And you, you, you touch on this in your text that you were too pushy and you weren't, you, you said you kind of panicked, kind of panicked and didn't know what to do. 
Um, so, so you got pushing instead of listening and supporting. Why, why is it that you, you chose that word panic? I think like the conversation just made me a little uncomfortable. Like I said, like when he, when he brings up the breakup with his, him and his Mm ex-girlfriend, I really liked the ex-girlfriend. I like connected with her. And so when he says things about the breakup, you know, he obviously isn't speaking super highly of her. And so I get a little bit just uncomfortable. And then I also know too, like in those moments, I want to be direct because I think that's the best way to speak, but I'm not good at being direct. And so I tend to like, and that's why I like kind of came across pushy because I usually tend to overcompensate in those moments. Okay. I feel like my husband's that it's helpful when he's there because you yeah. can kind of balance that out and like correct in the moment when that happens. Huh. And so just him not being there and the topic of conversation, like it all just made me feel a little panicky. How huh. many, like, I know you sent this message and he hasn't responded to it, but have you tried to reach out since then where he's, I know you mentioned Easter, mm-hmm. but is he, that was the only other time. And then we also have, a family birthday coming up that I was thinking about reaching out to him about and inviting him to, but I just, what yeah. about you just reaching out one-on-one and asking him to get coffee or something? Because I feel like inviting him to like a family event. Yeah. That's a good point. Might be from his standpoint, feel like, because now that you haven't spoken for a couple months, like every day that goes by becomes a bigger and bigger mm-hmm. deal. It's just like, you know, and so when you do yeah. see each other, there has to be some sort of like, I don't know, some conversation or something that he doesn't want to have yeah. or, or feels awkward having. But he tried to have a one-on-one conversation with you. And maybe it almost sounds like from your standpoint that you, you were that person he felt the most comfortable yeah. to have these types of conversations with. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if maybe you reach out to him and say, hey, I don't know if you're up for it. I know we haven't talked in a while, but I'd love to catch up with you one-on-one. Like, are you down to grab lunch or or, yeah. or a cup of coffee? And then maybe you guys could just hash it out one-on-one without the pressures of anyone else observing or, or being around you guys. Because, you know, you mentioned upbringing and things like that. It, it sounds like you know, Mark and, and your brother-in-law aren't necessarily super comfortable with being vulnerable in, in public settings or just in general. And so when mm-hmm. y- you, you kind of, not that you did anything wrong per se, like here he is being vulnerable. He's not used to being vulnerable. And you're just like, he probably felt like you threw it in his face, you know, yeah. his, his vulnerability. It, it, I, it sounds like he shut down because it's that, that childhood instinct kicked in and was like, well, now I'm going to protect myself. I'm never, I'm not going to talk about this. And there's probably a hurt. There's probably a sense of like real hurt. And the fact that you were, sounds like somewhat defending, he's struggling with this breakup. And the fact that you weren't just completely open to letting him talk and vent and work it through that there was some, and I'm not saying it's what, you know, you're entitled to your own reaction. Um, but it sounded like maybe you, you spooked him a little bit and he shut back down. Um, yeah, I 100% think I did. And yeah. this is a great text. I, I really love, like, it's, it sounds really, it's very evolved and it's loving. But I, the, the thing that I'm, I'm attached to now in this text, because I just went through something like this with my family, my, my younger brother, um, and my parents withheld some information from him that was very important because they didn't want to hurt him. It's, I, I know I'm being vague about it. It's cryptic, but I have to keep it that way. But the point is they, and 
they're they're in their seventies and eighties, they felt horrible about this and they wanted to apologize. And so, and I've I've gotten I'm not very good at many things, uh, but I, I've gotten over in my life I think pretty good at apologizing, of, of accountability, like real mm -hmm. accountability. And um, and the thing that I bumped on a little bit in your text was when you did say you said I'm I'm here's why I did it. You know I'm sorry I did this, but. It, when you asked me the question again, it reminded me of where you were several months ago and I panicked and didn't know what to do. So I just got pushy instead of listening to you. You do say what you should have done, but even offering that as an explanation, it sometimes diminishes real accountability. Like sometimes people, because he's hurt and he's angry in that position, in his situation, just what they want to hear. I fucked up. I just right, fucked yeah. up and I should have listened. And I regret that without the, I did it because of this. And I think he may I don't know. I, I, I wonder if he's holding on to that. And I wonder if, like Nick said, an in-person, full accountability, I just, you were being vulnerable and I should have been there for you. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry. To, to maybe repair this, it might require real, real vulnerability on your part. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that that's something that I struggle with in general is like, mm -hmm. I almost want to like defend myself of in course. an apology be like... I'm not all that. I of promise course. I missed the shame. Well, because yeah, it's, yeah. you're, it's you're apologizing for something that was well-intentioned, you yeah. know, and that's hard yeah. to do to, 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 uh, why do I have to apologizing when I actually, I meant well, you know, I was trying to help. I, and it's hard yeah. to, to say my bad. I see these moments as like a real opportunity now, you know, like you have a real mm -hmm. opportunity to, when you say the hard things, it, it, it yields such like beautiful things. I, I say this only from, I say this from experience is that I've, um, and I've been on both ends, you know, I've wronged people and I've, and I've been, a, when you are a count, when it's hard, it's like, we were talking about jumping out of planes earlier. And my wife always likes to say, like, you grip the hardest before letting go. And there is a real letting go in that kind of vulnerability. If you were to just lay yourself bare, um, it's something he was attempting to do, I think w with you and it was, it was not reciprocated. So and that can that can lead to very childish reaction, reactions because we protect ourselves. Um, so I think I think if you were to let go and really be totally vulnerable, I mean, look, what you did wasn't wasn't you didn't commit some like horror, like you didn't do the most egregious thing. You just probably weren't as open as as you as you should have. You should have been. You could have been. And also, my guess is, and this is just a total guess, but his not speaking to you right now has probably less to do with you and probably more right. to do with the fact that he's, his feelings on the topic hasn't evolved or changed. So he's probably still hurting or still has the similar thoughts and opinions about the breakup. You know, and he is going to assume that while you are sorry you pushed, that you still feel this way yeah. about the situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. and so if you do sit down, maybe you just say, hey, you know, and I, assuming it, if this is true, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, you just say, listen, I, you know, what I do miss is being the person you felt most comfortable mm -hmm. opening up to. Mm -hmm. that was, and yeah. more than anything, I just want to go to a place where you feel comfortable. So how, how can I be that person? Mm. Like, how can I be someone like I ultimately when you're vulnerable with me or when you open up, I, I want. I want to help, even if helping is just listening. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. with your permission, how how can I also respond? Like just just ask. Like ask how how do they want you to be? I've had to learn that in relationships Me too. Where it's too. just like, My well, it's, what do you want? Like what do you want? Like how how because we're fixers. What do you want me to do in this situation? Yeah, and I sometimes I'll just ask because I don't want to presume that they 
that they they uh, they want a specific type of reaction. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe you could try that with him. I, I went through it. Sometimes we really, to your point, reduce things to their essence. Like what is the essence of your hurt? Um, I, I forget his name, Je uh, whatever his name is. What is the essence? What, what, what is it that if you can reduce it to that? And my wife and I, we went through a very challenging time. Um, we were dealing with something very difficult. We, we, we did a, a therapy session together and, and, our therapist said, what do you, you know, ask each other what you need. And it, it sounded kind of silly at first, but I, we were in a state of, I was needing guidance at that point. So she said, ask each other what you need. And, um, and it's yielded such like it, it, that it's, it sounds so simple, you know, but, but often I, I've failed to do that in relationships, reduce it to that. What, what do you need from me? So if you were to say that in a way that is open and without any judgment or preconceived, you know, any agenda, if you just say to your brother-in-law, what do you need from me in the future? To, like, as you said, to feel safe and to yeah. feel, to feel like you can come to me. Cause I, cause that is a privilege. Like it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing that he trusted you with, with his vulnerability. And, um, and, and it's, and six months, I know it sounds like, well, it was probably like, Correct me if I'm wrong, but like I've been hearing so much about this breakup and it was six months ago and it's like, get over it already. And you're vilifying this girl that I don't think this woman who doesn't deserve it. Um, but but he's still processing it. Those things can take a while sometimes. Yeah. I and, wish I knew and, all the details. But may, and maybe you could say it's just like, again, I kind of justice, but you want to be careful not to try to justify it. But you can say when you have that conversation, how how can I be help? You could say, well, can I ask you a question? And I ask for their, you know, but like. Because it seems like he's just stuck. How old is, how old is, how old is he? Uh, 34. He's 34. Okay. What do you think he would say to you if you were to say, why haven't you spoken to me in so long? I mean, I, I don't recommend doing that, but, but what, do you, what do you think his thought process is? I don't know. Mark, you, you, might have yeah. so, you must have some. If you, were, if, you, <laughs> yeah. if you were to ask a blunt question like that, mm -hmm. uh, well... As as it's kind of been alluded to before, you know, he whenever he feels like he is being challenged, he will vilify the other person. Mm. Uh, so ultimately, I feel like he would end up maybe attacking Sarah a little bit. I see. So he's not open to his own accountability. He's not really he's right. not good at a, a accountability himself. So it's almost like you kind right. of see where oh. his ex was coming from. Yeah. Let's just yeah. say the, the way that he painted the breakup is questionable and it's like huh. and it's tough because i'm getting his side of the story and like i don't have hers and like mm -hmm. how we always say you know there's three sides to each story sure and you know and so it's just like the whole thing sometimes is just uncomfortable and it, yeah i just i feel like i have a hard time being telling myself okay just listen like you don't have to voice your opinion yes. right now that's and been a hmm, that's been a big lesson for yeah yeah, that's been a big lesson for me in relationships is that because I'm a, I'm a middle child, so I'm a fixer. I want things to like, I'm a people pleaser and a fixer, and I just want to, I want things to be okay as quickly as possible. And a big lesson I've learned is that it's okay for it not to be okay. It's okay to sit for a little while in the not okay, and it's okay to not be able to fix things. Sometimes people just need to vent. People just need to yeah. like get things out and to, and to feel held in, in doing so, you know, to they they just want to be in a safe space now it's a little different when like it's your brother and he's saying things that are not aligned with growth like his own growth and i know you want your yeah. bro i want that for my brother i you want them to be 
happier and better people. And if they're if they're stuck in in, in um in a place where they're not open to their own you know growing themselves, it, that can be frustrating. I know that frustration. I feel like that's a hundred percent it. Like mm. when I'm listening to him talk about it, mm-hmm. if I feel like I see him verbalizing things that are going to kind of keep him stuck instead of growing and moving forward. And so I don't, I, I have like a hard time finding like yeah. a soft way to like encourage that. Yeah. Moving forward. So does he, what does he claim? Well, like, yeah, what did he should... claim? Did he claim at that moment that was he like venting because he was he, does he claim he wanted closure or was he claiming about like not wanting to move on? Like, was he still trying to get her back or like, and what, what was his state of mind as the relationship goes, you know, getting over it, moving on or getting her back? Um, definitely not getting her back. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I would say it's a combination of getting closure while also maybe trying to get her back. So his ego was obviously like quite. And I think like, I think there is a lot of it of trying to convince us or convince me that like to be upset with her just as much as he is. I see. Be on his side. Yeah. Like be on his side. And, and I would like, and there's even a point where, you know, I even said like, I'm on your side. Like I, you know, I believe you like, is there more from you that you need? And it was, I don't know. It was, it's just tough. Um, unfortunately, Sarah and Mark had some technical difficulties, but we will leave them some advice within the episode. So let's take it away. Well, it's an interesting position that they're in. We can talk about the position they're in and how how one in a similar position could move forward. I mean, what's the path forward other than, I mean, they have, see, now it's up to this guy, the, bro- the brother-in-law, to, to meet and to sit it's down. T- yeah, well, I, and I always have a hard time, as much as I like helping yeah, people having these conversations. I have a hard time helping people who don't want to help themselves. And he definitely seems like a person who's very stuck in and mm-hmm. winning the narrative mm-hmm. of this breakup. Yeah, that's true. And, and and it must be frustrating to be her, her to be on the other the the the, the advice giving. And when when somebody doesn't really necessarily want advice, they just want to hear that they are right. Well, and, yeah, and and we see this. You know, you see this a lot too. And and. You know, with the way all these words get thrown around, too, it's just, you know, like when, when people throw the word narcissism around, mm-hmm. we were talking about this before, where it's like someone called in a couple of weeks ago and they were just like, well, I think my ex was a narcissist. And I'm thinking like, well, who gives a shit? They were your ex. Like, why are we? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, it, it, it does help because there is a trauma. You, you need to unpack the trauma of being with a narcissist. If they actually were, but they were just like, well, I, I didn't realize and think about it until I saw something on the internet and, uh, and right. it sounded like maybe they're just like kind of being a selfish dick. Huh. And that's the thing. I think we, we, we assign we, certain terms and, and I think, you know, in cases where you're really dealing with someone, I think there can be real, real trauma. But mm-hmm. I think like, as we were talking about before, like if you go through a breakup, there's unfortunately arguing and yelling and, and maybe sometimes name calling and not that that's okay, but you know, we are human beings mm-hmm. and we, we have feelings and when our feelings get activated, yeah, sure. we can raise, you know, we can, our tempers can escalate and, and we can get mad and, and express frustration yeah. and so we often have to apologize for those those moments of expressing frustration and i think sometimes we just we hang on to relationships we have a hard time accepting our over and letting go and the re- way we hang on to them is by vilifying them uh-huh. 
and then and then uh-huh. you know getting everyone around who knew them to mm-hmm. vilify them as well you know because it, it sounds because it, it sounds like to me she left him abruptly mm-hmm. and he didn't want it to end even even mark mentioned mm-hmm. he's not even convinced he doesn't want to get back together with this person he's claimed was you know uh not a good partner to mm-hmm. him yeah and i think sometimes we you know is that the ego? Is that the, yeah, just protecting I think so, him? Yeah, or just like having a hard time letting go. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's why, you know, granted there are real narcissists out there, but so many people now are, you know, oh, was I dating a narcissist because well, they were selfish? If or, you are it, curious, I just heard, not to keep plugging her podcast, but Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, uh, that second to last episode was about being with a narcissist. How do you know if you're with a narcissist? If you've been with a narcissist, how do you know if you are a narcissist? And, and uh, it's so fascinating. She had a woman on who wrote, a, a book about it. She is like the, you know, narcissistic narcissist professional. She had been married to a narcissist for ten years and talks about her own experience and and it's fascinating. So if if you're listening to this and you you think, well, maybe I was with, um, it's worth a listen. We can do hard things. Second to last episode was I am was I and if you ask yourself, am I a narcissist? Because I was like listening to this like. Jeez, I have some narcissist. I'm an actor. We all have narcissistic yeah, yeah, narcissism in us. Does that make me a narcissist? And and Abby uh, Glennon's uh, wife asked that very question because she's really, she was like, oh, you know, I'm struggling with this thing now. Now I'm wondering if I am a narcissist. And and the the expert was like, if if, if you're, you're asking, even, yes, then yeah. your chances are you're not. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're definitely not. If you, if you're wondering and if you're like, but it might be worth. Um, I wonder what this, where this guy is on that spectrum. And I wonder if it's worth saying to him, Hey, look, I'm, I'm having a hard time, you know, being this person for you, which, which I want to be because he's not being accountable for his own shit. Even if, you know, you, you break up, even if you go through a breakup, you have to, I think that's another thing you learn over time. Um, what was, what is my accountability in that relationship? What, what, how did I participate in the dysfunction of that relationship? And it sounds like he's not really there. And that could be frustrating for people trying to, um, offer advice to somebody yeah like trying to win the breakup is right a- that's why i was wondering what is what do they lose if they just say as they're you know because it's it's his sister-in-law and it's his brother so maybe he's just looking for them to be like you're right she sucks we love you <laughs> no what's the harm in that and maybe the harm in that is like well he doesn't really grow then if he's not accountable for his own participation well that's well if but if that's the question then you know it's do you just want to have a relationship with your brother-in-law? Right. At what she's cost? Not, she's not his therapist. Right. He's 34. She's not going to be, they, the couple, is not going to yeah. be the difference between him figuring his shit out You're or right. not. Right? You're right. And if he doesn't want- See, that's the fixer in if, me. Yeah. If he doesn't want the help, it doesn't matter whether they're willing to give it or, or not. So can you have then, it sounds like she, Sarah, was struggling with, can I have, she sounds like an honest, no. evolved person. Can she have a relationship with somebody- um, without that honesty, because it sounds like she was Maybe trying you to be say, honest. Like, listen, like if I, I want to have a relationship with you. How can I have a relationship with you? What do you need? What do you need? But she then, you know, she also has the right to have expectations yeah. and boundaries of yeah, that relationship sure. too. So she could just say, hey, listen, in the future, you know, how do you want me to respond, if at all, to you saying something I don't agree with? Uh huh. But I also I want the ability to say, you know, I don't agree with you yeah and how can i do that without having something like this happen in the future i was in a relationship once where we we couldn't we didn't fight not fight things would it things would escalate that like you were saying that should never have gone outside the like the bounds of 
Oh, really? I, I see. I don't agree. I see things differently. Whatever it was, if it was so and so is is the most uh, talented musician, is more is a more talented musician than, than this person. Oh, really? See, I don't agree. I think this it would escalate needlessly. It, we couldn't have, and I say we. I I had a hard time not being able to have disagreements, and so I'm sure I had a reaction to when she, she to her reaction. Well, I. I you, you always, you know, then it would become, you always have to be right. Then it would be about being right. And I would say, well, this is just my opinion. I, I did. And, and we couldn't uh, disagree. And it always, it was very like, um, and this is somebody that I met. I think this is a better overall point is that we, we got into a relationship before we, we were really around each other physically. You know, we, we would, I met her I, I, on like Twitter, basically, you know, and we would, we would text with each other for the first few weeks. And then you foment this you know, it's deceptive. And you get into this thing where it's like, well, I guess we're together now. And then you meet in person and there wasn't really all that much, you know, like primal chemistry, but it was like, but we've been texting and sending these things and it's, and we don't really like know each other fundamentally. Yeah. And okay. then we, I'd stayed in that, you know, too long. I don't know. What How the, long? Like two years. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. A, a lovely person, a wonderful person, a person that I like, and we're, you know, friendly now and things are good now. But yeah, it was... Because uh, I've had relationships start online, I guess you could say. Yeah. And you build that rapport and it's yeah. it's a whole different type of different way of starting a relationship. It, it is. But if it didn't match my expectations in person, I... I had I, a hard time saying no once it had already t t taken off, quote unquote. Once it had already... And, and that... That sometimes happened before, that happened in this case before we saw each other in person. And then it was like, man, I have a hard time saying no. I have a hard time disappointing, you know? So I was, <laughs> so which, which, I mean, the lesson is that's a never again. That's a, that's an example of a never again. And, and never, definitely never again now because I, I've, I've found my person. But, but, um, you know, it's to, to, to spend time in any kind of, um, to struggling to make something work. Gotcha. I, I don't think I'll do that again. I have an answer for your question uh -huh. before we went back to the call when yeah. I knew with Natalie. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh good. It was when she basically stopped talking to me. <laughs> oh. I, I mean, well, you know, I, and I've talked about this, I was, yeah. you know, I was self-conscious about our age difference early on when we started dating and she was very adamant about us being together. And I was very resistant to, I, I, I was it just the social uh, aspect of it? No, that was, uh, it, no, it wasn't just that. Yeah. I honestly was just like, I, I, I did the optics. The optics were part of it, yeah. but I also was just like I was genuinely worried about yeah. like are we compatible? Enough? Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, so I was just very resistant. I was very guarded and I, I just I, I didn't even want to consider the possibility of us dating. So uh -huh. I was very kind of closed off emotionally. Uh and then she just started, you know, kind of setting up boundaries yeah. around me and and um, she went on a trip and was less available and I, huh. I kind of panicked. Oh, interesting. I felt very 22 again. And yeah. And it, it was that. Cause it was the not having her that, that started not being yeah. with her. And then, you know, and then I kind of just thought to myself, well, and I, and I kind of tried to take my own advice. I often give to people like, what's, why don't I just try? Like, what's the worst that could happen? We could, oh, we would break up. That's yeah. the worst. Yeah. And like, that's not so bad. I've done that before, but yeah. why am I not at least giving this very special person a shot, but the idea of, you know, it was very juvenile of me, but yet nevertheless, it was that moment where I, I, I think up until that point, I, I wasn't even willing to give it a shot. 
Huh. So I was very kind of closed off to it. So I think that's kind of why I, I had a, the reaction I did, which is I, I felt very out of character for where I was in my life. Hmm. And I felt like 22 year old yeah, me. Yeah. And I think it was because I was. You were I, wobbly. You, you didn't feel. Well, I, I didn't even, I wasn't, I wasn't even tapping into my emotions when it came to us. I was very closed yeah. off. I was like, no, I just said no to myself constantly. And so. And so it was when she said, she said no to you that you had to really examine what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And did you find that the, your age, your age difference, was it, did it, did it come into play afterward? Have there been moments where you felt a, a real like divide since then? And you, something definitely you moments, about. but yeah. there'd be more moments. Yeah. It's not something I feel like our relationship has to deal with on a regular basis. And does it have to do more with like references or more superficial things or like emotionally? Um, is it, is there compatibility that that uh, yeah it, that 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 you don't question? Where where I don't feel like it's something that bothers us emo like affects emotionally. us emotionally. Yeah, but I, you know, and she's you know we do therapy and, and things like that. And um, and what's the most common point of disconnect in therapy? Or yeah, is, well, we just more do it to stay connected. Yeah, so yeah. there's not really to learn tools to like yeah, communicate yeah. and. Yeah, understand each other and yeah. things like that. Like Kate had a, I remember early on, one of our moments of disconnect was that she, she's a, such a generous person and I have a very hard time receiving things. I have a hard time, like my, my um, it was Father's Day the other day. My, my dad, we gave my dad some gifts and he was opening that. He's 84 and my mother was like, oh, this is too much. You know, you, you spent, you know, and it wasn't, it, it, the presents weren't like crazy. It was like, he was getting a bottle of whiskey that wasn't like top shelf, but it was, he likes the, you know, the brand. And, and she was like, Oh honey, I, when I was growing up, I felt when I was opening, opening gifts at Christmas, I felt such, I wanted all these things and I was, and, and I had them on my list to Santa. And then when I would get them, especially after I learned about my parents' involvement in Christmas, wink, wink, I would get very like guilt ridden. I would be like overwhelmed with guilt and I would cry. It's too much. Because I knew my, my parents also weren't like, I didn't grow up with money and, 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 but they were generous. And so they would give us stuff when they could. And, but I would, I would have such guilt. So, and Kate loves to give things. She's an amazing gift giver. She, she just, like I said, took me on like fulfilled a childhood dream for my last birthday, taking me on this trip. And, but in the beginning I had to, um, I had a real reaction when she did things for me. She, she set up, I was hung over one day in, in Florida and she got this, this person to come to the house and, and give me like an IV and it was so generous. It was such a generous, thoughtful thing to do, but I started making jokes about it, you know, like, um, trying to, because I couldn't accept the gift really. I, I felt uncomfortable. I felt like, and that was something that we had to, and it hurt her, it hurt yeah. her feelings, you know? And, and it was, she said, this like is dismissing a it. Almost. Yeah. Mm. And it's a part of her. It's a very important part of her. It's something that she considers like, you know, it's, it's a, like it's a love language. Yes, Totally. And so I had to learn to receive, you know, to receive that a little bit better. And, and it's just, and I love those moments of, I still have tinges of, she got me something the other day that was like, you know, I, I, I can feel it. I acknowledge it. I get anxiety with yeah. gifts sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why. I mean, do you like giving gifts? Uh, better than I like receiving yeah, them. Yeah, me too. I feel like I, owe, it's like, I don't like to owe That's people. what it, that's, I think where it comes from. Because my mother, when somebody would, give us something and, or invite us over for dinner. She would, her, she would go right, not to blame everything. 
grandparents, but she would go right to, oh, no, now what do I owe? That's it's transactional. Sure. That's been a part of this process with, with Kate is being in a healthy thing is like just knowing that I don't have to, I can't, she's too good at giving gifts. I can't reciprocate, you know, perfectly when she gives me things like this. I, I can aspire to it, but it's also something that makes her happy. And so that's been a, a little bit of a, a, a journey. I, it's, I guess it's just how you communicate, how you move forward with somebody in a healthy way. Yeah. And it sounds like you are, and you have to be willing to do that. So it sounds like early on with Natalie, you were like, I'm not even willing to put in that kind of effort. I'm not, this is not the person I'm going to do that with. She's yeah. I just kind of said no. Dismissed it. Yeah. But then once I was, then I was all in. And, and had you ever done that before? Had you ever been all in like that in a really, it's kind of uh, like what she said to me, like I'm, in a really like a evolved way. I'm definitely in, when I'm in, I'm in. But is know? this new territory for you in terms of like connectivity? Yeah. 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 I've never had a relationship where we even thought about the idea of being connected. Mm. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's not interesting. Where think. it was more like. This is just the thing we're in. When I was younger. Yeah, it was just the thing we're in. And then it was like, are, are we more in love than our, uh, than our friends? You know? It yeah. was very juvenile where you could pair relationships and, <laughs> yes. and stupid yeah. shit like that. It wasn't. Uh, the, the bond wasn't a thought. Like uh, how, like how connected are we? Are we a good team? Do we work through our issues or how, how do we make the other person feel good? And so when you asked her to marry you, was there any, was there a certain thing she did that, that, that you thought that triggered that decision? What did it feel like now I feel secure within this? Uh, or it was just over time. I think it's more over time because yeah. once we started dating, it was kind of always in the back of our minds. Yeah. And after she gave, she left and gave you this kind of like, what, sort of an ultimatum. Yeah. How did you then con convince her? How did you communicate to her, to her that you were going to give this a real shot? I asked if she would, if she still felt the way she did like a er, couple weeks earlier. Oh, it was and, weeks and, went by. Yeah. A couple weeks went by and, and then I asked her to come out to LA and, and, uh, that I would, I changed my mind and I hope that she would still be willing to do it. Huh. Yeah. Well, that, well, and it worked. it worked. I mean, that was how long ago? Like two years ago? Three weeks. Yeah, two or three years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, so far, so good. So did, she wasn't subject to any of those, oh, Nick Vial is this kind of guy. Like she, she did her friends ha had, have I'm an sure, awareness yeah, of Yeah, she's you? dealt with it. Yeah. And like even on this podcast, you know, it's still ruffle feathers from time to time. So like she's, she's become aware of, of certain public perceptions of me out there. What, what was the last time you, you would say you ruffled feathers? last week uh -huh. <laughs> what was it what was the i don't know i mean i don't i i honestly don't pay too much attention right. to it but when we cover we, we cover the bachelor or other reality tv shows and part of it is to share opinions, opinions about yeah. and as much as we try to emphasize we're not really talking about these people we're talking about their their the behavior the behavior yeah yeah, yeah. literally we, oh, we we're, totally. we're yeah, acting like the behaviors that we show but we don't know them and we we recognize it's edited but mm -hmm. nevertheless uh feelings are can be, you know, people are sensitive. Do do people on the Bachelor reach out to you and, and complain about what you've done? No, yeah. no. Uh, but if I run them in person, they they will sometimes act a little cagey around oh, me. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh. yeah, huh? Yeah, every once in a while, but it is. It I'm is excited good. for uh, Charity. It's a it's a great season. Yeah, oh, I've yeah. seen the first two episodes. Oh yeah, oh, she, I like her a lot. I, I think she is I'm excited. She's messier than I anticipated. And oh. I mean that in a great way. Hmm. It's only the first. It's early, yeah. But as the family therapist that she is, oh, I right. I was concerned that she might be too level headed and 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 
and too thoughtful. Yeah. And for, for, for fun good, TV, for, for good TV. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so far she, it's early. She's making some mistakes. She seems to really be into someone that uh, I I think everyone's gonna fucking hate. Oh, that's interesting, and that makes for some oh, pretty yes. good TV. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which which is so interesting. That happens with with friends and stuff. Like you, yeah. you I, I and I again, like when you're with when you when you're into somebody, you wonder how much of that is just. And I've thought that about past things. How much of it is just chemicals, or they're fulfilling some psychological itch that I have that I need to, that I didn't work out with, with myself. How yeah. much of it? I, I heard this thing that they said, they said um, recently that butterflies are actually a, a sign that there's danger. Bad, yes. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. The spark, so the to speak. Spark. Yeah. It's your, it's your body telling you yes. that it's something to look out for, not something to be drawn uh, that into. That blew my mind. I remember there was a line in, he's just not into you about the spark. And I yeah. say, it's advice that I give to a character. I say, the spark is bullshit. The spark is and I, I remember doing that scene and thinking, I don't know if I agree with this. A spark is, this feels like somebody writing and trying to sound a certain way. But but it turns out that that's true. It's true. Yeah. It's essentially your body telling you you need validation from this yeah. person. And so instead of prioritizing, you know, characteristics that you probably would, huh. you know, tell, I want someone to make me feel this way. I want someone to make me feel that yeah. way. You're just, I, I want them to validate me. You completely change Yes. Uh, your behavior around yep. them yep. and your decision-making process and, I, and why you even want. I encountered this recently on the, on our podcast, Life is Short. Uh, we have uh, we had Ellie Kemper on, the actress Ellie. Very funny and very smart. Um, she went to Princeton. She's just so quick, Ellie Kemper. She's from Bridesmaids. And, um, she was also uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Unbreakable Schmidt, Kimmy for Schmidt. anybody who's yes. wondering where you've heard that name before. She's great. She's got a new podcast, a double plug. She has a podcast about love, things that we love. She and, and her friend Scott, they talk about something that they love that happened that, w- that week and they have a guest on to talk about something they love and their guest was Bobby Bones I believe a g- really interesting funny he was on um, he's a, a, a radio personality oh he's, he won Dancing with the Stars yes yeah. yes yeah. and he's an American uh, Idol yeah yeah. As well. yeah he's and he was so interesting I found him really like sharp and, and funny and he's, he was talking about how his wife doesn't laugh at his his jokes anymore and, and, and it it really bothered him um and I remember being around years ago, being around Zach Galifianakis and his wife, now wife Quinn, and uh, and Quinn Zach said something funny, and and Quinn didn't laugh or shit, and I was like laughing so hard, and I and I said, I and I and I it made me curious about their relationship and how what would it be like to be with such a funny person, and and, and I said, Quinn, I noticed you weren't laughing or something like that, and Zach was like, she never laughs, she never laughs, so she she's a tough audience. But I could tell she enjoyed him. You know, I could tell she's like, I laugh when it's, you know, when it's warranted and I'm around him all the time. So it gets to be and it made sense. It, it was actually kind of like charming and um, the way they dealt with each other. But Bobby had a real issue with his wife not laughing. And um, he said on on this podcast that he started taking notes. <laughs> it would go out socially like uh, when, when, when he'd say something and it wouldn't get a laugh from her. He he noted it. And he said afterwards, like, I think you should have laughed at this. And I and Ellie was curious about it. And I I was so fascinated by that. And I thought, what does that mean that that she does? She, and Ellie said, did she used to laugh at you? And he said, of course she did. Look at me. That's how I got her. You know, I'm I'm funny. And she liked my sense of humor. I've been thinking about that a lot because I I wonder what that means. Like, do we become complacent? Why would that something like that happen? And I I've seen couples like that i've seen couples like oh he never laughed you know she doesn't laugh at my stuff or there's 
or the things that gen- they seem genuinely annoyed by one another. But even com- comedians tell the same jokes. Mm-hmm. And I think when you just spend so much time with someone, you know, it's like sure. I've heard this joke before. Nally will, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I, I'll tell a lot of stories. Yes, and so that's now what Ali said. Like, oh, yeah. Here we go again yep. with this story, you know. And but it's there's still like, see, I I've heard not to be like oh superior, but like I know Kate's heard almost all my stories. I've heard hers, but I still enjoy. I don't know. I enjoy hearing them. I enjoy hearing them tell them. But maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe it's because it's relatively early and maybe at a certain point you become hardened to the stories. Uh, I don't know. But I took it as a sign of like, well, maybe, you know, not not to diagnose this stranger, but I I wonder if if you lose, if you wake up and you realize that there's, you've lost an enjoyment, like a really vital part of a relationship. Mm. It's kind of a scary place to be in, you know, sad. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be there. Be you like, always find new ways. Well, why didn't you laugh at my joke? I don't want to be, you know, and I've been, I've, I've, yeah. I've never worked. Yeah. I don't think Daniel definitely doesn't laugh at all my jokes. Does it bother you? No. Yeah. Mm. Well, you're secure with it. Yeah. And she knows, you know that she knows you're funny. I don't think that's why she is with me though. But purely about your humor. Yeah. But it's a, but it's a, a reason. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh that's surprising. You don't, I, really? I just, it's not a prerequisite for me. For someone, it's a bonus. For someone to if value. If I make her laugh, great. Yeah, but if, if, if I were to ask her, I'm about to meet her, if I were to say, what are, what are the top five things you, you really love about Nick? Would, would humor be? Maybe not. Oh, really? Yeah. But I think it's because I excel in other areas. Huh. Like, that's, I'm not judging. I'm, that's just me. I, that's an important thing for me. Like, I couldn't be with somebody who... Didn't really. I think she finds me more goofy than funny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. She laughs at me, not with me. (laughs) But that's fun. I I, yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. She makes me laugh. She does. Yes. So it's important to you. It would seem like it'd be important. I would guess that it'd be important to you. Uh, like top five. I think it was a some. It's important to me now with her because she makes me laugh so much. Yeah. She's the only girlfriend I've ever had that makes me laugh well i think from just a outsider's perspective that that there's probably a correlation there. and she she uh, she loosens me up yeah she she she's very good at helping me with all my bad habits uh, that's great yeah that she makes you better yeah yeah i i feel the same without having to say that like a cliche i know but yeah. but the cliches become like kind of romantic because yeah. I, I find that about music too. I listen to music now and I, there's songs that I love, even ones that I haven't heard in, in 20 years be, have a new life because of, because of Kate, you know, I, I, they, I, I, I like that. I like when cliches kind of become real. I, it's interesting to me what, what you value in somebody. I, I, humor to me is so important that I, I, I think there were moments with Kate early on where we were we just had friends and I thought, oh, I, what a great new friend, you know, and this is somebody, and I hadn't really, had this in a long time where I, she, it seemed, it felt like hanging out with a friend. It felt like, and I, I know that's what it's supposed to be, but it, I, I, it was a kind of a foreign feeling to me that it, it felt like you know, we watch football together and laugh, you know, and I do that with my friends. And now it's, I had never found that really, you know, somebody who really makes me laugh. We, we, we fucking, yeah, we laugh like idiots. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I valued it as much until I had it. So yeah. hopefully, and I'd never not work out where I would, but I, I would 
if I had to find love again, yeah, then it would probably it would be higher. Kevin experienced it with Natalie. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you would know really what filled you, what 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 you valued. Yeah, and what you needed in another person. Yeah, because she, yeah, she's she just levels me out. That's and great. I need to be. That's great. Yeah. Oh, she's man. You can't ask for a lot more than that. Yeah. To be better, because uh, and I I found that being alone um, afforded me the ability to, to 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 get to a good place with with another person because i i would think well i'm happy alone you know i don't need to be with somebody else so it's yeah it's it's a nice perspective to have i got i hope they get there you know i i know how hard it is to, to not be with uh i'm so close with my brother i know how hard it is to, to not be aligned w- with a sibling you know it seems like he's tough it does doesn't it yeah it sounded like the brother didn't really want to go there but he was like yeah, reluctant to, to really participate w- with his older brother. Yeah. yeah. Justin, I can feel like we could talk for hours. I know, I know, I know. We're, we're getting, now we're going off. So, we haven't even mentioned that you're our 600th episode. You are I know, our 200th guest. 600? I, I know. We're to bury the lead, Justin. You're uh, no. a congratulations. No, no, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. We'll be hitting our 700 sooner than later. But 600. I love that you have been part of two uh, kind of anniversaries. For me us. too. I'm, yeah. I'm flattered you wanted me on. You're, you're, a, you've become a big part of our show. I love. Uh, our audience loves you. I love being being a part of it. They're just so excited that you, you come. They ask for you all the time. Oh, that's. You yeah. guys. They really do. Get out of here. Sadly, we have to let you yes. go. Yeah. Yes. Good. It's so great talking to you, man. Always. And, yeah. I, and it's so good to hear you're so happy. Oh, likewise. And, and yeah. everything's great. And yeah. Are we, do we get to see you in some upcoming projects? Oh, let's see. Um, yeah. Uh, Goosebumps. Did you read Goosebumps? When yeah. Because I just missed them. I was just a little too old for, for the books, R.L. Stein books. Um, at Disney Plus, uh, we did the Goosebumps series in... We shot it in Vancouver last year. I, I just saw some of it. It looked really, really good. Kind of like to a, check that out. Yeah, in October. Uh, uh, I've heard rumors of Dodgeball too. Mm. It's funny. I ran into Vince, Vince Vaughn the other day uh, at, at a hotel we were both staying at, and um, it, was, it was sweet. Got to see his kids, and he. I asked him about it, and he said, "Why? Well, while Jay Long caused such an uproar on on the internet, you caused uh, quite a." quite an uproar on the internet by talking about it. And so I think it, <laughs> so he kind of blames me for uh, it, the resurgence of interest, I think. And, um, but yeah, it sounds like he is doing it. It's there's, they have a, they're writing a script. Uh, Are you? I don't know. I don't know. They haven't said. What the fuck? I don't know. He said he, I think it, I don't know if it's the same team. I don't know. He didn't say much about it and I didn't want to, I assumed, but maybe I don't want to be let down. So I don't want to be attached to it. Well, I'm emotionally attached to I it. I mean, I, I, I hope it would be fun because it was um, such a, I, it was 19, it came out, you know, every once in a while I get tagged on a thing on, on uh, Instagram where it was like, you know, 19 years ago, a movie came out a certain number of years ago and he said it came out 19 years ago the other day. Holy shit. I know. I know. And it was just such a, it, it brings me right back whenever I see that movie's on TV, if I, if I happen upon it or um, it brings me back to such a such a fun time in life i don't know if you can i don't know if you can recreate that i know and i'd already said this on a podcast which is why it kind of started getting talked about but i think ben was a little squirrely about doing a second one after uh, he's and he said this after after zoolander you know what happened with that and um so i don't know i don't know if he's gonna i don't know i like zoolander too uh, yeah you know i did too yeah i did too i liked anchorman too i'm a sucker for those movies but um 
I hope you guys good. bring it back. I hope you're a part of it. I I would love it if it's done in the right way. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because it's also a special thing. It's like you don't want to, you know, you don't want to sh- shit I on. feel like you'd all figure it out. Yeah. You're all talented enough. Um, so hopefully that happens. Yeah. Well, Justin, again, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, Thank I'll, you always. for being a part of 600. Thank and, you, guys. Uh, also check out Justin's podcast, Life's Short. Yes, right? Life is Short. Life is Short. Um, it's every Tuesday, and then we have an episode called Life is Shorter, where it's just uh, me and my brother shooting the shit on Friday. Amazing. Yeah, so fun. It's well, been- thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks, as always, of being part of our show. Uh, it, we wouldn't be here without you guys, as we mentioned. Uh, can't wait till you do 600 more. So make sure to send in those questions at asknick at thevowelfiles.com for all things Ask Nick. And uh, yeah, bye. Bye.